I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, September 19th, 2023, the 972nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you may remember that at some point in 2022, I began saying that 2023 was going to be all about rhino hunting. And this was clear even before the midterms. There were people who had subverted Trump's entire presidency, and they were still taking the same tack toward Donald Trump. They had either ignored election fraud completely or given up covering it. They stopped talking about it regardless, made it like it wasn't an issue. They began blaming Donald Trump and MAGA for Republican losses in 2020, and that continued after the 2022 midterms. 
These were the people who tried to destroy Trump in the 2015-2016 primaries. And they were the people who were sometimes Trump, like Ben Shapiro, for instance. They would say that Trump did a good thing when what he did happened to align with their interests, while always letting everyone know that if they had been in charge or people like them had been in charge, they would have done the thing that Trump did, but even better, even more professionally. It would have been stronger and smarter and more sparkly. And when what Trump was doing didn't directly support their uniparty right interests, well, then Trump was very bad and very stupid and getting run over by Democrats. He was just consumed with his ego, with his narcissism. He was reckless and always saying the wrong thing. So they would occasionally praise him when he did something that they liked. And the rest of the time, they were consumed with telling everyone how much better they were than Donald Trump. And if only them and people like them were in charge, things would be even better than they were under Donald Trump. And while they were doing this throughout Trump's term, they were providing support for the Republican elites, the Republican establishment, conservative incorporated, as they set themselves to helping Democrats thwart much of Donald Trump's agenda and much of his ability to drain the swamp. And they did all this using the same tactics that they always do, the same tactics that Democrats use. They made personal complaints against Donald Trump and who he was and how he acted, all the while making sure to let everybody know that Trump and his supporters, they just weren't good enough. They were stupid and irresponsible, and they should never be allowed to control anything. The people who elected Donald Trump simply could not be trusted with power because they don't know what's good for them. They should have elected Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz. And naturally, all of these very staunch conservatives supported one of those other candidates in the primary. And as you'll hear, their tactics weren't far off from what Democrats were doing. And they're not far off from what these very same people are doing now. But in the middle there, while Donald Trump was president, and their interests occasionally aligned, they quote-unquote supported Trump. And they are very proud of the fact that they voted for Trump twice, which somehow means that they are good Republicans or that they are somehow objective because they were willing to put all of their deeply held principled arguments aside and vote for Donald Trump. Somehow that has become, in the false reality, a standard of goodness you can completely trash a political candidate 24 hours a day for years on end. But when the election comes around, you're happy to vote for that guy. Somehow we call that principled conservatism. I refer to that as a beard. And what I mean with that phrase, by the way, is a beard is a slang term for a closeted gay man's girlfriend or wife. That woman is there to make that closeted gay man look straight and manly to the outside world. That woman is the gay man's beard. Similarly, saying, I voted for Trump or I voted for Trump twice, is the con ink cuck's beard. Now, I would love to be done with all of this already. I didn't even really want to do it. Not that it hasn't been fun at times, but I didn't really want to do it. We have now been through over 10 months 
of this Ron DeSantis op. Early November last year, just before the midterms, Donald Trump whispered desanctimonious at a rally and the entire Ron DeSantis comms team that had been put in place at some point in early 2022 went completely active on Twitter, losing their minds about how Donald Trump could say something bad about Ron DeSantis right before the midterms. Ron DeSantis was going to be the savior of the Republican Party. How could Donald Trump do something so irresponsible? It's just Trump's ego getting in the way. And then a few days later, we were told that the red wave never materialized. The Republican wins were not going to be what was expected. And it was all Donald Trump's fault, all MAGA's fault, all the MAGA candidates, quote unquote, lost. And these people reveled in it. They celebrated those MAGA losses on television the night of the midterms, blaming it all on Donald Trump telling the country that it was Donald Trump's fault and MAGA's fault for choosing all of these irresponsible candidates who had America first values and principles like Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake was too much of an extremist for these people, and they still go after her online and they still make fun of her for losing her race last fall and for continuing to contest it. Like the elections in 2020, the midterms of 2022 were stolen in broad daylight. The machines went down all day in Arizona. The elections took days and weeks to count and report. But everyone was just supposed to accept the results of the elections as reported and move on. The GOP establishment chose not to work on behalf of those MAGA candidates, those America First candidates, those pro-Donald Trump candidates. In some cases, they actively worked against them. In some cases, they ran establishment candidates against them in the primaries, hoping to take them out, like Karen Taylor Robeson in Arizona, who they tried to insert in place of Carrie Lake and Dave McCormick in Pennsylvania, who they tried to insert in place of Donald Trump's favored candidate, Dr. Oz. And they did the same thing with candidates all across the country. They demanded that MAGA candidates hire certain consultants and certain GOP establishment advisors in order to get support from the national party. If they cared about getting Republicans elected, they could have done more to get Republicans elected. If they cared about winning, they could have done more to win and they could have contested the obviously fraudulent elections. We're talking about a GOP establishment and communicators on behalf of that establishment who completely gave up in 2020 and stopped talking about election fraud and now to this day do not talk about it. They talk about, oh, it was rigged because of the Hunter Biden laptop. Or they'll say that Democrats out-strategized according to all the new rules that were brought in with COVID. It's never that there was just outright cheating and a system built to support outright cheating. It's that MAGA didn't get the job done. And regardless, even if there was cheating, MAGA and Trump, they just weren't smart enough and strong enough to overcome it. So what we need is to replace them with candidates the regime won't steal an election from. We need somebody who can win a rigged election. And that somebody is Ron DeSantis. So the Republican establishment has put all of its weight behind Ron DeSantis, assuming that he was the right guy to get rid of Donald Trump and to convince MAGA, America first, Donald Trump supporters, that they had an even better option. 
someone who would do all the things that Trump did that they liked, but even more effectively, he was a better communicator. His messaging was better. His image was better. He was going to be more effective. He was able to wield the party apparatus in a way Donald Trump would never be able to do. This has always been the strategy. And I've been discussing this for probably over a year and a half now because it was that obvious. Once you see the uniparty, once you understand and accept that we have a uniparty, the Republicans and Democrats are not very different. If the uniparty is in control, that's what matters. The rest of it is largely irrelevant. The R and the D next to the name mean nothing. Red and blue mean nothing. We need to let go of that old paradigm and understand there is only the uniparty and then there is the people. Quote unquote, winning within this system preserves the system, which is losing. If they can decide the winners of elections, we don't have a country anymore. The people do not have a voice and it becomes impossible to hold politicians accountable. So in the last 10 and a half months, we saw a nearly seven-month-long shadow campaign by Ron DeSantis and this weird comms team that he has underneath him being run by Christina Pushaw, and then a four-month-long formal presidential primary campaign with the backing of a few political action committees, most notably Never Back Down, and he spent most of that time in Iowa and courting mega-donors while that strange comms team and the conservative incorporated influencers he has supporting him essentially run the campaign for him. He spent almost all his time in Iowa, almost none of it in Florida. He raised a ton of money last year for his gubernatorial race in Florida and has spent virtually no time there since. It was obvious that Ron DeSantis was never actually running for Florida governor for another term as Florida governor. He was always focused on running for president. Donald Trump revealed that by saying desanctimonious before the midterm and exposing the entire operation because all of them immediately reacted. He basically tricked the voters of Florida, telling them that he was going to be there for another four years and he really hasn't been there at all. The money he raised was transferred over to his presidential primary race. We are told that Florida loves Ron DeSantis so much, they delivered him a 20-point win in his race for governor during the 2022 midterms, a race he was expected to win by four or five points against a man named Charlie Crist, who used to be a Republican in Florida and is now a Democrat, but is an old-school Florida political hack that no one cares about. The Democrats did not even bother running a real candidate against Ron DeSantis. And just right up till the night of the midterms, he was supposed to win by a few points. And then, oh, he had a magnificent victory. Now, did Ron DeSantis fix Florida's elections? No, he sure didn't. All he did was prop up a state agency, a state board that would put all the review of elections right under the state under state control. And we were supposed to be happy because it's Ron DeSantis, a Republican. It wouldn't be like all those states that stole elections in 2020 where Democrats were in charge and didn't let anyone look at the elections. It would be Ron DeSantis and the Republicans in charge, which means they'll look for us and they'll tell us the truth. And you can trust that they will because there are little R's next to their names. Ron DeSantis has been marketed as the greatest governor in America, 
absolutely loved by Florida. But in the 2022 midterms, in his gubernatorial reelection race, fewer Republicans showed up to reelect Ron DeSantis in a race they expected to be rather close, then showed up for Donald Trump two years before. And we are told again, Florida loves Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is the standard bearer for Republican politics in the United States, the GOP's rising star. Everyone in Florida just basks in the glow of Ron DeSantis. In fact, people are moving to Florida en masse just to come be in Ron DeSantis' state and vote for Ron DeSantis. Despite all of them moving there, though, a million fewer people showed up to vote for Ron DeSantis than showed up to vote for Donald Trump in 2020. How does that happen? So Ron DeSantis has his amazing 20-point win, just came out of nowhere. In the summer and early fall, they were hoping for a four or five point win. The polling margin expanded dramatically in the days leading up to the election. They thought it was going to be maybe 11 or 12. And then all of a sudden, 20 point win, despite one million fewer Republican voters in 2022 for Lord DeSantis than for Donald Trump in 2020. So Ron wins. We're told that Florida's elections are fixed and that the proof is the size of Ron's win. We're told that Ron is the best governor in the land based on the size of his win and that he is the person most likely to beat Joe Biden in 2024, again, based on the size of his win. So all of these things are based on the reported results of an election. And those results are celebrated by the same people who are telling the country that the results of all elections must be respected. Donald Trump lost in 2020. In fact, Donald Trump cost Republicans the races in 2018 too. And now obviously he cost them the 2022 midterms for daring to put up America first candidates that America first voters, the base of the Republican party actually wanted to represent them as opposed to the normal establishment candidates. How dare they? All the people pushing Ron use the reported results of our elections in this day and age as the justification for all of their arguments. And they tell us that all that matters is winning, even though they can't stand up and fight for election integrity, despite that being perhaps the most important issue to Republican voters. We have seen election after election that Republicans did win that these people refuse to fight for. We're supposed to believe that all they care about is winning, even though they don't care about confirming actual wins we've already had. Everyone is supposed to believe that. So this has been the substance of much of the last 10 and a half months when it comes to Republican politics. And over that time, the rising star of the GOP establishment has gone from around 30% in GOP primary polling to around 10%. Sometimes he's as high as 13 or 14, and sometimes he's down in the single digits. A lot of the time he's in second place behind Donald Trump, but he's also in third place and fourth place in some places behind Vivek Ramaswamy and sometimes behind Chris Christie and Nikki Haley. We are to the point right now where Ron DeSantis does not even have 50% of the non-Trump vote. 
but we are supposed to believe that he can win a primary and win a general election. Again, even among Republicans who do not want to see Donald Trump be the nominee in this very real primary, Ron DeSantis doesn't get over 50%. You can barely even call him the front runner anymore. And it got worse this week. This is the New York Post yesterday. Billionaire GOP donor Ken Griffin says he's on sidelines of primary in apparent DeSantis snub. Ken Griffin, the billionaire hedge fund manager who founded Citadel, said he was undecided as to whom he would support in the Republican primary, a sign that he was no longer backing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for president. I'm still on the sidelines as to who to support in this election cycle. Griffin, the longtime GOP donor, told CNBC in an interview that will air at 8 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Griffin has indicated his preference for Republicans to nominate someone other than 77-year-old former President Donald Trump, who remains the clear frontrunner despite mounting legal woes. Oh, yes, those woes are so legal and so mounting. A recent Quinnipiac poll found that Trump was ahead of DeSantis among GOP voters by a margin of 62% to 12%. Look, if I had my dream, we'd have a great Republican candidate in the primary who was younger, of a different generation, with a different tone for America, Griffin told CNBC, alluding to Trump. And we'd have a younger person on the Democratic side in the primary who would have his message for the country, the mogul who has a reported net worth of $35 billion, said. So one of the biggest GOP establishment donors is now out on Ron DeSantis. That is how badly things have gone for Ron DeSantis and the DeSantis campaign. Each week, Ron DeSantis's chances of having a political career into the future decline. Now he has lost the faith of the GOP donor class. Standard issue, uniparty right villagers still think that Ron DeSantis is the future of Republican politics. But unless Donald Trump does something to redeem him, his career is effectively over. This has been an absolute disaster for Rigdy Meatball. I have said for quite a while that every single pro-Ron, anti-Trump argument is a combination of stupid dishonest and immoral. All three. They're not just one. It's all three each and every time. And we're going to go through some of those today. And the reason we're going to go through some of those today is because there was an absolute meltdown in the con Inc influencer sphere last week after Donald Trump did an interview with Megyn Kelly. There were a few clips pulled out and then some of the DeSantis simps built entire segments of their show around these little clips. And while they thought they were exposing Donald Trump and his supporters, they were actually just exposing themselves in all of their complicity in this corruption and treason. We often say these people are stupid, but it's actually so much worse than that. The clips are decontextualized. The arguments are dishonest. The emotionality is is off the charts, and the entire thing is insulting to the intelligence of anyone who's actually paying attention to this stuff. And it's unfortunate because too few people actually are. So I want to go through some of these arguments and then 
some segments of the interviews Trump has done in this last week because it wasn't only Megyn Kelly. He sat down for about an hour and 20 minutes with NBC's Kristen Welker. And both of these interviews were very, very good for Trump, which only makes life much worse for the DeSantis simps. So I want to go through some of the critique and some of these segments that they have chosen to focus on and then get into some of the substance of what Trump actually said in these interviews and what the ultimate impact of these interviews will be, because there are big chunks of these interviews that are absolutely excellent. And that may well be why the DeSantis simps chose to focus on some little segments they thought they could score points on in hopes that no one would actually listen to the entire interviews. Now, I want to start off with this rotund little garbage pail kid from The Blaze, Steve Deese. Here is how he reacted on his show to America First supporters not being immediately swayed by the arguments of the DeSantis simps in the aftermath of the Megyn Kelly interview. Hold on, I want to pause. I want to address something. Forgive yeah, me. Yeah. This is an email I've received from Joe Pollack, exactly what I'm talking about. Quote, you're not going to stop anyone from voting for Trump, but you are turning many people off to DeSantis and yourself. Cut the BS. I want to make this very clear. Aaron, I want that camera to zoom in on me as much as it possibly can. I'm going to say this one time, and I want all of you to hear me. I don't care if every last one of you stops listening. I don't care if the blaze calls me three minutes after this show is done and says you're canceled. I don't care because everything that I just said is the truth. I don't care about your idolatry. I don't care about your threats. I don't care about your intimidation. In fact, I would count it an honor to lose all of this posh studio and this new contract. I count it an honor to lose it all for telling you the truth you don't want to hear. This won't work on me. In fact, it will encourage me. You are showing me that I'm over the target, that I smashed your idol, and this is the best argument you have, and that I'm in very good company for men that you have said this, people like you have said this to and done this to in the past. So not only will it not stop me, I will sprint harder in the race. I will work harder to finish the race, whether it finishes at the end of this contract, at the end of this show, the end of my life, or in the, at the end of this segment. So thank you. I want to first and foremost say thank you to Megyn Kelly for asking the questions that others had opportunities recently to ask of the former president and for reasons chose not to. And I mean, she asked them about as gently as you possibly could. And almost nothing the president said there is true in any of these answers. For example, <clears throat> on April 13th, 2020, President Trump, then President Trump said, for the purpose of creating conflict and confusion, some in the fake news media are saying that it is the governor's decision to open up the states, not that of the president of the United States and the federal government. Let it be fully understood that this is incorrect. It is the decision of the president, and for many good reasons. With that being said, the administration and I are working closely with the governors, and this will continue. A decision by me, in conjunction with the governors and input from others, will be made shortly. He was making it very clear he was in charge. And I'm the one advising lockdowns. <clears throat> Ask Georgia Governor Brian Kemp when he reopened, and Trump two days in a row used the platform of the White House to attack him. 
when Governor Kemp was being ex- accused of the, in the, wasn't it the Atlantic that accused him of an experiment in human sacrifice? I believe those were their exact words. If it wasn't the Atlantic, it was that kind of a publication. So that's not true. The, the idea that these governors just went off and did this on their own willy-nilly, and just, you know, you do what you want, that's, that's just not true. That, that's not true. The idea, why, why is he so adamant that Henry McMaster uh, did better than Ron DeSantis, which is also not true, because Henry McMaster, the governor of South Carolina, has endorsed him for president. That's why. And Ron DeSantis is running against him. You see the pattern here. If you're on the right side, it, frankly, it's not any different than what you see on the left. If you're gay, like Dave Rubin, or black, like Jason Whitlock, you're with us, and you're as gay as it gets and black as it gets until you have contrarian opinions and go against the narrative. And now you're an Uncle Tom, and um, you're, you were maybe gay for the stay once, but you're not truly gay. It's the same dynamic. If, you, um, if you're aligned with Trump, then your record can be embellished, exaggerated, even completely spun and healed, Benny Hinn style, healed. Um, if you're against him, then your record can be done the exact same thing, but the other way around. Just nothing but a, a gaslight. Except we're now at the time, though, that we are not using Trump's personal immorality to our advantage, but it is being used against us. We are the ones being lied to now. We are the ones being gaslit now. Now, for some of you, that won't matter to you. You have your idol. You're in love. You love your monkey. And I get that. And here's the thing. I love you. I'm commanded to. I'm commanded to love my neighbor as I love myself. So I'm going to put you ahead of your idol. You will hate me for it. But see, I think you're more important than your idol. I think you are greater than your idol. So you're going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to pursue the justice that you don't care about. There are people in this industry who are vaccine injured and are, are just completely filleting Trump and forgetting about it on a daily basis. You should, you should go across the conservative media landscape today. Megyn Kelly has a top three podcast in all of conservative media. Top three. Top three podcast in conservative media right now, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Megyn Kelly in some order. Those are the top three. Every day you look. So it's not like people are going to be unaware of this. Right. Right? You should pay close attention throughout the course of today and conservative media, quote-unquote, and ask yourself who mentioned this interview with the complete face plants and who just bypassed it. All right, now that's a long clip, but I wanted to give it its full context. I didn't want to be accused of stripping out little parts, although naturally the show is much longer than that. But this gives you some idea of Deese's approach. Now, we can leave the lockdown stuff aside for a minute. I'm certainly going to get to that. But let's focus on the choices that Steve Deese is making, how he is attacking this issue and how he is going after Donald Trump and MAGA. Now, he talks about how Megyn Kelly, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino are the top three conservative podcast hosts. These are the three right-leaning podcasts, the biggest in the land. I'm not sure exactly what makes Megyn Kelly's show all that conservative. Genuinely, she is a centrist in every possible way. Her audience is generally centrist wine moms who are sick of woke liberalism. I will accept that her show perhaps leans right and that her audience is 
probably on the center right. But this is a very acceptable, very appropriate, very, very mainstream center right show. It's not right wing. It's not particularly conservative in any true sense. It basically just represents the center right viewpoint of the central narrative. She follows the mainstream narrative. She follows the mainstream agenda. She is not getting her audience out in front of that agenda. She's not helping her audience make wise decisions, which is why she's been wrong at every turn the entire time. Now, is she better than most people in the center right mainstream? Yes, she is. And she's certainly better than people like Ben Shapiro, who is much more of a malicious liar than Megyn Kelly is. I think that Megyn Kelly is probably trying to do a good job and she's just a busy middle-aged lady who gets paid a lot of money to do the job she does. And she's very good at that job. I am not trying to insult Megyn Kelly or her audience, but let's be honest about what Megyn Kelly is. It's not that big a deal. We don't have to pretend these people are super conservative. They are super GOP establishment types. There's no doubt about that, except for Bongino. Bongino is much more in the MAGA direction, though he did stop talking about election fraud after the fake inauguration. Ben Shapiro and Megyn Kelly spent well over two years supporting the regime narrative about election fraud, talking around the edges of it, making excuses. It wasn't actual cheating. The election wasn't actually stolen. There's no evidence. These are baseless claims. We have to be very, very serious and maintain our credibility. We can't make these outlandish claims that Donald Trump and his MAGA base are making despite being right. They chose to stick with the central narrative and maintain their mainstream audience and their mainstream standing, their mainstream, highly profitable platforms. Ben Shapiro makes like a million dollars a week at Daily Wire. And everybody knows that's true, by the way, because we know that Steven Crowder turned down a $35 million a year contract to work for the Daily Wire as the new guy. There's no way that Ben Shapiro, who is with Jeremy Boring, essentially in charge of the organization, is somehow hiring a new guy and paying him more than he makes himself while he is more popular. So we're talking about people who get paid a million dollars a week to follow the central narrative. Now, I don't know how much Steve Deese makes to do the hack job he's doing for the blaze, but I'm certain it's more per week than I make in a year. And it's funny because all of these central narrative following DeSantis simps say that MAGA supporters are the paid op and the grifters, despite the fact that virtually none of us have ever met. Virtually all of us have been banned off the legacy social media platforms, payment platforms, and other content sites like YouTube, while the algorithms of those platforms point people toward their accounts. And of course, that's not to mention the fact that these people have gotten together in formal meetings, formal settings around Ron DeSantis. The pictures are even there of all of these people meeting and getting together. They call themselves Team DeSantis. They are formally organized in their messaging, and the messaging is coordinated throughout their media organizations as well. Town Hall, PJ Media, The Daily Wire, The Blaze, and to a large extent, Salem Media. These are all pro-establishment sites. Most of them have been exclusively pro-Ron. But let's consider Steve Deese's approach. It's not enough anymore to say cultists. 
That's what they've been calling us for months and months and months. We're all in a cult because we don't accept their arguments that they are certain are true despite them being not true. Now, why do they think all their arguments are true despite them being not true? Well, that's a function of the intellectual kids table that they have huddled around for the last three years. They knew they could lose their platforms by saying the wrong things, so they chose not to say those things. The people who said them got banned from the platforms. These people stayed on the platforms having discussions and learning within a knowingly censored environment. And they thought somehow that all of the important ideas still existed within that environment. They thought that there were no other arguments. So the arguments they were making were actually effective and true. They actually believe that they are objective and that the things that they're saying are objectively true, despite the fact that they have not dealt with any of the counter arguments because the counter arguments did not appear in the spaces where they were. They were at the intellectual kids table. They were told there's a bunch of things that they're not allowed to talk about or else they'll get in trouble. And so they decided not to talk about them. And in order not to seem like the morons and weaklings they actually are, they just pretended that all that other stuff wasn't real. Only crazy people believe that stuff. We're smart people, so we're only going to talk about these things that we're allowed to say because that's what smart people do. Smart people know what stuff you're allowed to say, and they only talk about that. So they think they have all the best arguments. All of their arguments are objectively true, and if you don't accept the truth of their objectively true arguments, it has to be because you are in a cult. You do whatever the cult leader says. And oh, by the way, the COVID shots, those are Donald Trump's COVID shots. And Donald Trump told everybody to take it. Except strangely, the people in Donald Trump's cult were also the least likely people to take Donald Trump's vaccine that he told everybody to take. So, whoops, I guess the cultists must have missed the memo on that one. But hey, maybe that's just an exception that proves the rule. The cultists are so committed to the cult leader that they didn't do what the cult leader said because they knew maybe the cult leader even gave them some special messaging that sometime in the future, they would have to have not done the shots in order to protect the cult leader from the bad thing the cult leader was saying about the product the cult leader made, right? Right? Does that all make sense? Because that's what these guys have been saying now for a very, very long time. And of course, it doesn't make any sense, but it does around the intellectual kids tape. And they get upset in this way whenever Trump supporters, MAGA, America First, the cultists, don't agree with the objective truths that they are laying down for us. We have to agree with them and disagree with Donald Trump. And we have to announce our disagreements with Donald Trump in order for these people to believe that we are objective. We need to prove to them that we are objective in order to have our positions and push our positions because we have been convinced by Twitter and the mythology of journalism that there is this objectivity out there that we can simply pluck from the sky and exercise. Ooh, look, look at my objectivity, bask in the glory of my objectivity. You see, I'm willing to say terrible things about the people I like, even if they are unjustified, just to show you 
that I will not support my views completely. They get angry that we won't agree with them about things we don't agree with. You see, they're willing to set their principles aside and vote for the man that they say they hate and then brag about that vote as if that somehow means that they are actually good guys too. And because they're willing to violate their principles, we're supposed to do that too. And if we don't, then we're cultists. But the cult thing didn't work. And it may well be because of that argument that I have been making for a year now, saying that we must be really bad cultists if that's Trump's vaccine and Trump told everybody to take it and people took it because of Trump, just not his supporters. We would be very bad cultists. And that argument alone refutes the entire cultist claim. It is a ridiculous claim. And people have come to see it as ridiculous. So what can you do if you are a DeSantis simp who is already committed to hating Donald Trump and America first Trump supporters? This is existential for these guys. They can't exactly back down and their pack is called never back down. So they're going to have to double down. And that's exactly what they're doing. Now it's changed from cultists to idolaters. We are all guilty of the sin of idolatry. Donald Trump is our idol, you see. It's not just that we got fooled into a cult because Donald Trump is such a powerful cult leader, even though we don't listen to him whenever we decide he's wrong. It goes beyond that. It's not about his leadership per se. It's about him being the best and being right no matter what. He is, in fact, our idol, and we worship our idol. That's what we are being told. Steve Deese is telling the Blaze audience that we are idolaters. Now, that's a very grave sin we're being accused of. He is claiming that all of the Christians out there who support Donald Trump and do not accept the objective truth of the words of the DeSantis simps as above their own beliefs are doing so as an act of worship for this false idol, Donald Trump. According to Steve Deese, they're actually putting Donald Trump above God. And so what he is doing is trying to save all of these Christians who have been led astray by the cult leader, the false idol, Donald Trump. Steve Deese is here to save everyone with his objective truth telling. And apparently we're all supposed to thank him for doing this and going out of his way and risking so much. In fact, he says that he is willing to risk it all. If the blaze takes him off at the end of this segment or at the end of this show or at the end of this week or at the end of this month or at the end of his life, he just starts listing off the ends of certain things when the blaze might fire him. Oh, they're going to fire you, Steve Deese. They're so upset with you doing the job they hired you to do and saying outlandish things in order to push your point. Oh, they're going to fire you. They're going to be so upset. They're going to lose all that MAGA audience they were courting, despite the fact that you have done nothing but insult them for a year now after deciding to ignore election fraud. And again, Steve Deese, in the wake of the 2020 election, recognized election fraud and talked about it for a few months. And then he shut up 
and he announced to his audience that he was shutting up in order to preserve the jobs and employment of all these Blaze employees. He couldn't afford to lose his platform because that would mean that so many other people were fired as well. He put that platform above the truth and above fighting for the country in the face of a usurpation by a global regime. And he justified this by saying that he was saving people's jobs. And now he's saying that he is willing to risk it all in order to tell Trump supporters that they have moved beyond cultists and are now idolaters because they will not agree with the Steve Deese, Daily Wire, Dave Rubin take about what they heard in these small segments of Donald Trump's interview with Megyn Kelly. Fighting against election fraud, it's just not worth losing all these other people's jobs. It's not about my job. It's about these other people's jobs. These people have families and I'm going to save them. I am the best person in the world, but all their jobs don't mean a damn thing if I can't call Trump supporters idolaters when they don't listen to me. Now, Steve Deese, of course, is the sort of person that uses his Trump support when their interests are aligned and his Trump votes, even though they're in direct violation of his principles, as a beard. Steve Deese needs a little beard because he is a dorky, little, whiny-voiced weakling who's shaped like a baseball, and he just can't stop lying. He goes on the air and tells his audience that he was a huge supporter of Donald Trump. But let's go back and see what he was saying in the 2016 election cycle. You know, I think Donald Trump ought to show us his alpha male. He ought to show us he really is the badass that he claims. Why don't he just go ahead? He de facto controls the RNC now. Peter, why doesn't he just go ahead and say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and unbound those delegates. I'm going to go for the ultimate sale close, the biggest reality TV show stage on the planet with every camera in the world watching. Because if I can't win a majority of 2,500 delegates in Cleveland, hard to make the case I can win a majority of 130 million voters in November. So I think he should stop hiding behind the dwindling size of his shrinking crowds. And he should show us that he really is the leader that everybody in this party has been looking for. Go ahead, unbound the delegates, call our bluff, and let's have it out in Cleveland, a real fight. But why should Trump do that? His supporters are going to say he won 14 million votes. He won 37 or 38 states. Why is there any value for him for doing that? And isn't this effort by a group like the one that you support? There's no alternative to Donald Trump right now. So, so, so isn't this just a pipe dream? Because he can't unify his own party. We're looking at 2012, but worse with a candidate who is capable of winning independent voters because the Democrat nominee is so disliked, but can't turn out his own base and loses in a wave against the other side's more superior get-out-the-vote operation. This is exactly what we saw in 2012, Peter. I'm even hearing the skewed polling scam lies from apologists on the right that I heard four years ago when all the polls turned out to be correct. You can't win with just your base but you can't win it without it either. If he cannot unify the Republican Party, polls for Trump in the fall will get worse because I know lots of Republicans that will only vote for him because he's not Hillary Clinton. But if we get down to the mid to late October and he's trailing five, seven, eight points, you know what's going to happen is a lot more people are going to suddenly find their courage of conviction and they're going to say, you know what, why cast a vote I know I won't be proud of if the guy's going to lose anyway? And then a five, six, seven point loss becomes right. a 10, 12 point loss. And that's what we're looking at in the fall if we don't make this move in Cleveland.
So that is Steve Deese in 2016 arguing before the Republican National Convention that Donald Trump should unbound his delegates and just let the RNC decide who the candidate would be to go up against Hillary Clinton. He wanted the RNC to ignore the entire primary process and choose a different candidate, his candidate, his establishment candidate, because Donald Trump couldn't win. That's the same guy who brags about being a Trump supporter who voted for Donald Trump twice. But let's listen to more. Here he is going after Kaylee McEnany. And remember, all of the DeSantis simps just a few months ago went absolutely bonkers because Donald Trump called Kaylee McEnany milk toast. They rushed to Kaylee's defense and said, Kaylee McEnany is the best woman in the world. How is Donald Trump saying these things? Same guys. I'd like to respond to that. Please do. I'd like to respond to that. Kaylee, I don't know you. Seriously, do you have any integrity at all? I just have to know. I mean, is it that important to be on national television? You darn well know 65,000 people. I am keeping it professional. She's the one lying. 65,000 people voted in Colorado at this thing called a caucus, called an election. There has been no voterless elections. Every delegate has been elected, including the delegates unbound that Donald Trump got in Pennsylvania the other night. This is the biggest lie and the biggest scam from a guy that's lied repeatedly throughout this entire campaign, whose campaign is built on a lie. I'm Mr. Anti-Establishment when I wrote all these guys' checks. Yesterday, Mr. Trump was defending Ditch McConnell. Today, he's taking hosannas from John Boehner. This whole thing is a scam. And there are millions of Americans that watch people like you sit here and go on these shows and Scotty Hughes and the rest of this you know, this cabal of motley crew of advisors who just sit here and fed this guy and lie about him and for him every single day. And millions of Americans are freaking just sick of it. Stop lying. There wasn't a voterless election in Colorado. You're a liar. Stop lying. Wow. Wow. Hang on a second. So Steve Deese has been melting down over Donald Trump for a really long time. And let's hear one more just for good measure. Steve Deese is a nationally syndicated... Steve Dace is a nationally syndicated host on Salem Radio Network who supported Ted Cruz for president and has also said he will never vote for Donald Trump. Steve, good to have you with us today. Thank you. You said you would never vote for Donald Trump. At this point, your choices look like Donald Trump and either Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. So do you end up voting for a Democrat? Do you not vote? How do you move forward in November? You know, Eric, I don't know. You know, I just got out of a really bad relationship with the Republican Party yesterday. It's been dysfunctional for years. So I'm kind of that breakup chick in a Gretchen Wilson country music video. I just want to tour the country for a while, play the field, relax and and just find myself again. Um, And I've been I've been listening. I've been listening to these reports and I've been laughing off the air because it's all the reasons why I am never Trump. I I feel no compulsion whatsoever, no moral imperative whatsoever to help Lex Luthor finish off his memoirs. He can do that on his own time. If we're not going to advance any ideology, anything that I think is worth conserving, then frankly, it's not worth me making enemies of nice people like you and and other people here at MSNBC and other liberals. There's no point to it. We might as well just be friends. I have no interest in in taking sides in the self-actualization quest between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. They can do that on their own. So neither one of them works for you. You wrote in your column that uh, Tuesday was the day the Republican Party died, characterizing it as a sad day for America, but also deserved. Why would you say it's deserved? 
Well, we as a people, sadly, have decided that we want to, many of us anyway, not all of us, but I think it's clear a majority of Americans want to walk away from the things that um, made us exceptional as a people in the first place. And, and that's why I'm a conservative. I, I, it's not about pitting groups of people together. And I've, I've watched Trump do this. And the thing that has bothered me the most, Erica, about this primary is I've watched Donald Trump successfully capitalize on liberal stereotypes of some vestiges of the right uh, coalition. And the truth is, he, it's been proven correct. He has capitalized on code language and incendiary language. I believe that value that started the country, founded the country, are worth conserving and preserving for the next generation. That's why I get in the argument, because I think these values, and maybe I'm wrong, you might disagree with me, but I think these values are what's best for families, what's best for cultures and communities. So if we're not going to argue about those things, if we're just going to argue my megalomaniac versus yours, my corporatist pawn scum knuckle dragger versus yours, I I've just got three kids at home, man. I got a life to live. Other people can get, you know, you know get, bring out their freak flag and fly so, that for this if they want, but I'll, 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 I'll say no thank you. So Steve Deese is simply too principled for Donald Trump. He's too principled for MAGA, and that's why he's never Trump. He's not going to vote for Donald Trump under any circumstances. And because he's so principled, he reversed all of that completely. Now he's not never Trump. Now he's a guy who voted for Trump twice. And the fact that he's been willing to violate his principles and support Donald Trump before, that's how we know that he's objective and telling the truth now. But let's see what else the DeSantis simps have in store. We'll move on from Steve Deese or Dace or whatever to the country's leading producer of trans content, a man who spends every waking moment telling the world that he knows as well as anyone who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs? He literally spends every waking moment talking about trans people. And when he sleeps, oh, he dreams of trans people as well. And I'm talking, of course, about The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh. Obviously, it goes without saying that there's no reason to hesitate on the can a man become a woman question. And there shouldn't be any answer other than no. Okay, If you're saying anything other than no. Anything, the first words out of your mouth after you hear, can a man become a No. Then you can, you can elaborate on how crazy that idea is. First word should be no. Anything but an immediate no is a wrong answer and also an embarrassment. And if, if, if that doesn't, if you don't see why that is, then just imagine any other basic scientific question getting that kind of answer. So what if, you know, just to show you how ridiculous this is, imagine if Megyn Kelly had for some reason asked, um, do you believe in gravity? Does gravity exist? And then Trump had said, um, <laughs> I, well, listen, in my opinion, uh, you know, there are some who say that human beings can fly, uh, but uh, I think probably not. What? What kind of answer is that? What, why? <laughs> in my opinion. But first of all, people are focusing on the um part of it. In my opinion? You don't need to qualify something like this by saying, in my, it's not your opinion, okay? Just like it's it's not, when I say gravity exists, that's not my opinion. So in my opinion, gravity exists. In my opinion, uh, the sun is bigger than the earth. It's not my opinion, that's just a fact. It's not an opinion at all. So that was a weak and convoluted answer where clear and concise is needed and where there's simply no conceivable reason why you would give anything but a clear and concise 
reason, uh, answer. Keep in mind what I'm always saying about this issue, that, that on the left, they can't answer these questions. So for them, that's a stumper. This is the beautiful thing about being a conservative, is that basic common sense questions are not stumpers. We don't have to be worried about them. Someone could throw it at us and say, oh, that's easy. Yeah, two plus two equals four. No problem. It's only on the left where it becomes, oh, my gosh, i got to figure out how to navigate around this. That's the advantage we're supposed to have because we're supposed to stand for basic fundamental truth. We are supposed, when we talk about being conservative, we are conserving basic fundamental truths. Or maybe not conserving the truths themselves because the, the truths will persist whether we, whatever we say about them. We are pursuing our, rather we are conserving our understanding, society's understanding and acceptance uh, of these fundamental truths. So that's, that's an advantage we're supposed to have. But because the left can't answer these kinds of questions, um, or at least they can't answer in a way that, uh, that is not humiliating for them, because if they're asked the question, can a man become a woman, they also, they're probably not going to say yes. Some of them will. But if that was a Democrat politician sitting there, probably not going to say yes, because they know how crazy that sounds. So Instead, they're going to start equivocating and they're going to be off in the weeds and they're going to talk about opinions and how everyone has different perspectives and uh, so on and so on and so, and so forth. When you, as the Republican frontrunner, give an answer that makes it sound like a complicated question, you are, that is just you, hand, that, 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 that's you surrendering to the left on that issue because that's what the left wants. They want this to be a matter of opinion. They want it to be complicated. They want it to be the kind of question that you're nervous to answer, and it shouldn't be. All right. So Donald Trump didn't answer the trans question properly in the Megyn Kelly interview. We're going to get to his actual answer in just a second. But Matt Walsh, the leading producer of trans content, wants you to know that he is so able to tell who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs that he can immediately spot when someone else might not know quite as well as he does. And if someone doesn't know as well as Matt Walsh knows, it means that person's not conservative. In fact, they are just giving it away to the Democrats. They're scared of the Democrats. Donald Trump is scared of the Democrats when it comes to the trans issue. And so he waffled on his answer. So let's have a listen to this segment of the interview covering the trans issue. Uh, Let's shift gears and talk about trans and women's rights. In 2016, you said that Caitlyn Jenner, who is trans, could use the women's restroom at Trump Tower. Uh, You allowed biological men to compete in the Miss Universe pageant at the time, which you owned. A lot has changed since 2016. Have you? Yeah, well, I have. But but look, uh, I knew Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, This was uh, this is very much like the same subject we just talked about. This was brand new. Yeah. Okay, this is a brand new subject also. There's a lot of... It hadn't exploded. A lot of the... Well, it hadn't exploded. I mean, nobody talked about it, really. And so they're saying, what do you think? And people say, yes, use, no use. Um, But I'm the one that wouldn't allow it in the military. That was a big move. I wouldn't allow it in the military. And I went to generals. I say, general, let me ask you, do you like it? The real generals, not the ones you see on television, not the millies of the world. I went to the real generals. I said... What do you think? And they did not like it. 
they did not like it. They didn't, nobody wanted to go public with it. It's a very hard subject. I ended it in the military. Now, since this character got in, he's allowed it in the military. You know, part of the problem is you'd have to take massive amounts of drugs. In the military, you're not allowed to take drugs. And you have to take massive amounts of drugs. So right there, it should not be allowed. But I ended, I took a lot of heat. No matter what you do there, you're going to take heat. You understand? Yeah. But, but yeah, how I do you feel? Caitlyn how do you Jenner, did, did, was, how do you she allowed, should, was she allowed? Should biological use? men who say that they're trans be allowed in women's restrooms and women's locker rooms, women's prisons, women's spaces? Yeah, uh, my, my stance on that is really pretty much uh, what I had in the military. Uh, I think it so has no. to be. Huh? No, they yeah. shouldn't. Yeah, I, that's my stance. I mean, that's been my stance. Um, I may have allowed Caitlin. Caitlin's Caitlin, right? Uh, I knew Caitlin as Bruce. I knew Bruce, and you know, Bruce was a great athlete and a very handsome person, very handsome guy. And all of a sudden, Bruce is Caitlin. I said, "What's this all about?" This was a brand new subject too, just like. Uh, just like we talk about, you know, the pandemic was a subject that nobody knew anything about. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew anything about it. It was all uh, early. You make a decision and you make the decision very strongly. No, I get it. Look, I, I myself have changed a lot on this. Yeah, I have. Since I 2016. Have. I'm just wondering. I'm just trying to figure out whether you have, in fact, reversed on it. I don't think I've changed. I think I just, you know, at the beginning, it was such a small subject. Nobody really thought about it. Uh, but then with time, you change. I really, where I f probably took the hardest line was on the military. Yeah, that's true. Well, what about the children? That's become an issue now. Should children be provided with access to puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones yeah. when they're minors? Yeah, I'm so against it. First of all, many of them, I heard like 62%, when they grow up, when they're older, they're saying, who did this to me? Why did you do this to me? Second of all, the parents have to make the decision. You know, they're trying to give it to school boards and schools and things to make a decision. It's unbelievable to think, you know, I talk about mutilation sometimes in my speeches. We will stop the mutilation of children. And then I'll stop and I'll say to the people in the audience, I'll say, can you imagine that I'm talking about we're going to stop mutilation of children? Yeah. But that's what it is. It's the mutilation of children. And we will stop the mutilation of children. Ten years ago, you wouldn't even, nobody would ever to think, think of it. I am telling people because I guess I'm a politician, whether I like it or not. Uh, as a politician, as somebody that represents a lot of people, I'm telling people that we're going to stop the mutilation of children. Who would have to say a thing like that? Yeah. You'd think it would be automatic. Would you, so would you be in favor of a ban then on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for minors? I, I think yes, 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 yep. I would. Can a man become a woman? Um... <laughs> In my opinion, you have a man, you have a woman. I, 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 think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no. Although they'll come up with some answer to that also. Someday, <laughs> I heard just the other day, they have a way that now the man can give birth. No, I would say uh, uh, I'll continue my stance on that. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit. So that's the entire segment. Matt Walsh is upset with Trump because he didn't say no quickly enough to that last question, even though he did say no. And they're trying to score points on the Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner thing. Trump is woke on the trans agenda because he said that his friend Bruce, who began identifying as Caitlyn, could use whatever bathroom 
he, now she, wanted at his building. That's not some principled statement about men being able to use women's restrooms. That's Trump's statement about his friend of many years being able to use whichever restroom he likes when he's at Trump's building. In Megyn Kelly's interview with Ron DeSantis, DeSantis tried to claim that Donald Trump was one of the leaders of the trans movement because men were allowed to compete in a beauty pageant. And because Donald Trump said he was inclined to let Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn, use whatever bathroom at Trump Tower Caitlyn wants. And all of that was being done so that Donald Trump wouldn't get hit by the left on the trans issue. Does that make any sense at all? No. Here's why. In that same interview, Donald Trump committed one of the gravest woke sins and dead named Caitlyn Jenner, which means he used Caitlyn Jenner's former identity to describe Caitlyn Jenner. Now, that is a ridiculous complaint that the left makes. The dead naming thing is preposterous, especially for someone like Bruce Jenner, who is a world famous athlete and on the cover of Wheaties boxes as Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner doesn't just evaporate from the world and disappear when he decides that he's a woman now. Matt Walsh is telling us that Donald Trump is worried about the reaction from the left after he's already dead naming people. And that's not all because this isn't something new for Donald Trump. This is the independent UK from July 10th, 2022, over a year ago. Trump goes on transphobic rant at rally in Alaska. And you can find many more of these headlines talking about how Donald Trump handles the trans issue at rallies. He talks about the male swimmer who decided to start calling himself Leah Thomas and then began winning swim championships. He talks about male bodybuilders in female competitions. He misgenders them. He makes fun of them. He talks about the advantages they have and how all the poor women are being destroyed in these competitions by men. He talks about how unfair it is. There's not some question about Donald Trump's position here. The complaint by Matt Walsh and these other DeSantis simps is that he's not owning the libs hard enough, which is unsurprising from the leading producer of trans content who works for the Daily Wire, the network who sells mugs of liberal tears. They own the libs so hard, except about election fraud, which they ignore completely. These people are such liars and such clowns. And the audience for this is people who don't pay attention, because if you pay attention to what's happening in the world, then these issues all become immediately secondary and they are secondary for very good reason, because our problems are so much bigger than this trans issue. And it goes well beyond election fraud, but election fraud may well be the most important one. If we had legitimate elections, the trans issue would be fixed in no time whatsoever because the trans policies that exist are in place as a consequence of election fraud. The people putting these policies in place are as illegitimate as Joe Biden. Not that the Daily Wire cares. So we have no doubt that Donald Trump knows who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs. He banned transgender from the military. He's talked about women's sports and women's bathrooms, women's spaces plenty of times. He just reiterated to Megyn Kelly that his stance is the same as it is for the military. 
In that interview, he dead named Caitlyn Jenner, and he is on the record at countless rally speeches joking about the whole thing, talking about how Leah Thomas is a man, how the male weightlifters competing against females have an unfair advantage due to the fact that they're a man. But the answer he gave to Megyn Kelly in that interview was not fast enough for Matt Walsh. And Donald Trump said that he changed and also didn't change. Well, how does that work? And of course, Trump said how it worked plenty of times. He said this wasn't really an issue anyone thought about back then. And it wasn't. Matt Walsh hadn't even begun to produce the highest amount of trans content in the world back then because people didn't really understand that it was going to be such an issue. You could know the difference between men and women and also be the sort of person who ignores the whole thing in a kind of libertarian sense and says, yeah, just let them do whatever they want. Because when it's someone's personal decision and it's not about public policy and it's not about the influence on kids, it really is a different issue. But as it becomes a public issue and it becomes known that it's something that's affecting kids, well, then people take a different standpoint on the entire thing. It is actually okay to evolve on these issues as they begin to take prominence and you spend more time thinking about them and the consequences of your viewpoint. I can't wait to hear Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro and Steve Dace and Dave Rubin, who we'll get to in a few minutes, evolve on the issue of election fraud and who actually won that 2020 race, because that's still coming. The evidence is all still there. And we're not going to get through all these very real Biden indictments of Donald Trump without that evidence seeing the light of day. Donald Trump said he was going to bring it out in a press conference in mid-August. And then he decided he's going to delay and save it for the trials. Are we really going to pretend he's simply bluffing? But boy, oh boy, did they nail him on that trans thing. The DeSantis simps got very upset. They were sharing their reactions online so hard, letting everybody know that if you don't agree with their objective truth, then you're a cultist. You're an idolater. Trump should have just said no immediately, and instead he explained his position. <laughs> now, to be clear, that was not me. I looked up angry ape sounds on YouTube and found that video, but nothing, nothing made the simps more angry than hearing Donald Trump talk about COVID. Now, somehow, somehow this clip was released before Megyn Kelly's interview with Donald Trump was released in full. Was the clip leaked? Did Megan release it before releasing the full interview? If she released it, did Donald Trump give her permission to release it? Did Donald Trump want her to release it? Maybe one day we'll find out. I don't know. And I don't care to speculate. But this clip came out before the full interview came out. And the DeSantis simps spent the day absolutely losing their minds about it. And then when they found out that people didn't agree with their objectively true opinions about this clip, oh boy, that was what really sent them over the edge. But let's hear the clip. Now, the clip is almost nine minutes long, and I want to play it in its entirety just so it is all down here 
And we do not have to run into the problem that the DeSantis simps ran into of just attacking small clips of what was said, decontextualized from everything else that was said. Saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time in May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant. So I couldn't technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way, you made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus. You think so? That he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Presidential I wouldn't commendation. Have it. One, one I know. Mark Somebody probably handed him a commendation. He probably. But let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect because of COVID, but he was respected. And on COVID, if you know what I did, I let the governors run their states. And many of the governors uh, opened up their states. Some of them didn't. Florida, by the way, Florida, by the way, was closed. Uh, But if you take a look at Henry McMaster, he had his state, uh, South Carolina, open. You take a look at uh, South Dakota, take a look at Tennessee. A lot of the states were not closed. And I allowed, it's the federalist system. I allowed the governors to do that. I also allowed Democrat governors to do that, but I don't think any of them, none of them did it. Uh, Wouldn't you like to go back and try to clip his wings? This guy was pushing mask mandates on us. He wanted the most extreme measure at every turn. Okay, look, I'm not one that blames a system that if you're civil service or if you have some other protection that you can't get fired because I've done things that are a lot worse than that. You're big right? on the firing. So, so yeah, I fired a lot of people. <laughs> I fired Comey, and that was one of the great firings. I fired Comey, and then I fired a lot of other people in the FBI, and they were great firings because the deep state, and they were at work, and they were not good people. Uh, but I wasn't, I was not a big fan of Fauci. If you look at Ron DeSanctimonious, he was, this guy said the greatest things. I can give you articles that, well, Fauci's great. He's wonderful. We love him. We don't do anything without Fauci. This went on for months. But he didn't listen to Fauci. Uh, he did 100%. Look. He shut down Florida I will for a give month. you. He shut down Florida. For a month. Oh, he shut it down for a lot of long. He shut down the beaches. He shut down the roads. He shut down a hospital. He was shutting down everything. He also had long lines of people getting the jab, as he called it. Let's all go get the jab. The guy tried to change history in Florida. Now, eventually Florida was open, but a lot of these other governors didn't shut down at all. South Dakota didn't shut down. McMaster, South Carolina didn't shut down. Tennessee, there are states that didn't shut down at all. They probably did the best job. But Ron DeSantis was under a lot of pressure, especially given the population, the age of a lot of Florida's citizens. I'm not trying to to blame anybody, but he should say, I closed it down. Eventually we opened it, but I closed it down. But I gave him the right to keep it open. If he wanted to, 
I let the governors make the determination as to whether or not to close it down. But let me ask you this, because this is the number one question. I asked my audience, what would you like me to ask President Trump? Okay. These are your fans. Okay. This is the number one question they wanted me to ask you. That you shut the country down for six weeks in spring of 2020. Operation Warp Speed. Excuse me. Rushed right? through. I didn't really. Well, let me, let me, I, let me ask no, no, question. No, this I is let, my audience's I question. The, I got to get I know, it out. But I let the governors shut down. Some did and some didn't. Okay. Some didn't shut down. At Operation all. Warp Speed, though. Yeah. That was on the vaccines. They were rushed through. They have helped but also hurt a lot of people. And your White House actually supported mask mandates. So wouldn't you like a do-over on any of that? Look, when this came in, nobody knew what the hell it was. It sounded like an ancient, you know, pandemic. You thought that was from 200 years ago or from 1917. We never thought you'd have a pandemic. Nobody had any idea. We got word that bad things were happening in China, right around the Wuhan clinic. And I was the one that said it was in the Wuhan clinic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, stayed, I stuck with it, and it was. It was absolutely. It came out of the Wuhan clinic. But you take a look, and what we did was, we, this was brand new. Nobody knew what the hell it was. There's dust. Somebody said there's dust coming in from China. And it's killing people in Italy, and it's killing people in France, and it's going to kill people here. And by the way, I shut it down to China. That was a big move. I saved thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives by doing it. But honestly, nobody, I don't blame a lot of people because nobody knew what it was. Now we do understand it somewhat. Nobody really understands it even now fully. But nobody knew what COVID was, and it wasn't even a name. I called it the China virus. I still do. I call it the China virus. It came out of China. You know, they call it COVID and COVID-19. As far as the vaccine's concerned, uh, you had the original COVID. And the vaccine had an impact on that. And there are some people, I will tell you, some friends of mine that are Democrat, I think they voted for me, but they're Democrat, very smart people, top people. They say, you know, I don't understand one thing. Why don't you talk more about the vaccine? It was one of the greatest things you've ever done. Now think of that. They say to me, and I say, I'm not going to talk about it one way or the other. First of all, no mandates. I don't want mandates. I never had mandates. But Florida sort of had a mandate because they were giving the vaccine. They were demanding everybody take the vaccine. That's another thing. But no mandates, no anything. I didn't demand anybody take it. But I have people on the other side. I don't, not my side, although probably there are some on my side too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that, too. But, yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates. And people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision, as far as I'm concerned. Now, some places had mandates, very strong mandates. Uh, largely Democrat governors and probably some Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But there are Democrats that say, why aren't you talking about that? It's one of the, they really believe strongly. One said, you say, and this is very smart people. They said, you saved 100 million people worldwide. Uh, in 1917, you know, they, it could have been as much as 100 million. It ended the First World War because all the soldiers were dying of, of this horrible disease of 1917. You know, it actually ended the First World War. The soldiers were dying. They were on the lines. They're fighting, and they're dying of this horrible disease. They said, you might have saved 100 million people, 50 million people. 
Why aren't you talking about it? I said, I'm not talking about it. But what I did do is I got something done for that specific thing. I also got Regeneron and I got a lot of therapeutics done, which were great. I also got the robes and the leather and the rubber and all of the different things, the ventilators. Mm -hmm. We did a tremendous job. And it's never, you know, they appreciated what I did with the economy. I got a lot of good marks on economy. I got a lot of good marks on a lot of things, rebuilding the military, getting rid of ISIS, uh, the biggest tax cuts in history. Uh, Supreme Court. I never got, I think, the credit that I deserved I, on COVID. And I'll tell you the way I look at it. It came in and nobody knew it was. We have to put ourselves back then. I had a meeting and we had a lot of professionals in the Oval Office. They say, sir, something bad is happening in the world. I said, what's that? And they said, people are dying. They're dying in China, in this area, and there was pictures of body bags all over the place, black body bags, satellite pictures, and they were all over. I said, that's strange. And then they'd have a next, another meeting the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and all of a sudden, they had something where the first person died in the United States, and then another, yeah. and then it died. Then they started dying all over Italy and all over Europe. Nobody really knew what it was, Megan. I hear you. Okay, so that is the full segment. All of that is directly in context. That is the full context. And undoubtedly, there are probably moments during that segment that you cringed and thought, man, Trump should have answered that a little better. And maybe he should have. I remember feeling that exact same thing throughout 2020, watching each and every one of his daily press conferences. Now, maybe I missed one or two along the way, but I definitely didn't miss many. I was a single guy who just had his career ended by California's COVID policies. And in those first weeks and first couple months, everybody kind of thought maybe this will go away quickly and society will reopen and we can resume our normal lives. And during that period, there wasn't a whole lot else to do. So I spent my time paying attention to what was going on and studying coronavirus statistics online, trying to learn everything I could about what was happening and what the data said and what it all meant. I could tell very quickly that what we were being shown on television was not representing the actual data and it wasn't representing the reality outside the front door. Those videos coming in from China and from Italy with people dying in the streets, that didn't happen at all here. I talked last week about how early on we realized the disease had actually been around for longer than anyone thought. It was around three and a half to four and a half months before anyone took the slightest step toward mitigation. Concerts were open. Sporting events were open. Bars and restaurants were open. Schools and churches were open. And there wasn't some mass die off. The pandemic, quote unquote, had been in our presence for a while with no mitigation. And that meant that it either wasn't as transmissible as we were being told, or it wasn't as virulent as we were being told. It was less likely to kill people. Now, people with families or people who kept right on working throughout that period, they had other things to do. They had other priorities. And I totally understand that. Not everybody had the same time to devote to all this stuff as I had, but I did devote my time to it. I watched Trump's press conferences. I watched Gavin Newsom's press conferences and Andrew Cuomo's press conferences. I spent my days watching statisticians and epidemiologists on Twitter 
analyzing the official data and they were coming up with different interpretations than what was coming from the TV and what was coming from people like Anthony Fauci. And I began to realize that while Donald Trump was not right about absolutely everything, or at least not in any way that I could substantiate, he seemed to be trying to tell the truth. And he certainly was much more right than the people on television and then the Democratic governors. And he was much more right than all the conservative incorporated influencers and media who were tracking along with the central narrative and talking about the data and saying things like better safe than sorry. And if it saves just one life, it's worth it. Even for things that did not have the potential of saving any lives. The dynamic at the time was that all of the very serious people, the very serious intellectuals, all the supporters of the Uniparty right and left, the party of false decorum, all the people who for years and years had said that Donald Trump was stupid and weak and incompetent and a narcissist and reckless, and his supporters were a bunch of gullible rubes and cultists and now idolaters who were just giving all their money and power to this guy, and they would just do whatever he said. All of those people out there, they tracked the central narrative on COVID for almost the entire time. Certainly throughout Donald Trump's term, they were calling Donald Trump unserious. They were saying that Donald Trump was wrong about all these things. He was not listening to the experts. He was not properly interpreting the science. The Uniparty left painted him as a villain, a con artist, an idiot who cared more about his reelection chances than he cared about people's lives. And on the Uniparty right, they did what they always do. When Donald Trump does something that they like, they say, oh, well, he's finally listening to us. If he listened to us all the time, he would be in much better shape. And then when he does something that does not align with their interests, they say the exact same things the Uniparty left says. Donald Trump is a rube and a narcissist. He's incompetent and weak. He's doing all of this for his own benefit, his own ego, and his supporters just do whatever he says because they're cultists and now idolaters. And since that time, the early adopters of reality among the standard issue villagers in the Uniparty right have determined that because they were more right than the Uniparty left, they were the people who were correct about COVID among the people around the intellectual kids table. They believe that they were actually on the vanguard of fighting against the COVID regime. But that is fundamentally false and incredibly dishonest. Although it is also a byproduct of staying around the intellectual kids table. So it's possible that all of them actually believe that they were leading the charge against COVID, even though they were not at all, like not at all. The people leading the charge against COVID were the quote unquote conspiracy theorists who were calling it a pandemic from the start. Those were the people leading the charge and those people were ahead of me. Now, I did a big segment of an episode about this just within the last couple of weeks, so I don't have to rehash it, but it wasn't more than a couple of weeks into COVID that I realized we were getting absolutely lied to about the entire thing, and virtually everyone had swallowed the whole thing hook, line, and sinker, and they immediately became tools of the regime where they would enforce through the same incentive and punishment structure 
every element of the COVID regime and the COVID narrative on their fellow citizens. I'm talking about the people who would be telling you to mask up at the grocery store or complaining that you weren't standing far enough away from them, believing that social distancing was going to save you. All of these people throughout the entire time, uniparty left or uniparty right, all of these people were mad at Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters, either because they are directly part of that hate movement or because they thought if everyone just went along with everything, then we could get back to normal. They bought that. Those are the people now telling us that they were the intellectual vanguard and the resistance against the COVID regime. The people whose driving principle was that if we just all went along with it, we can go back to normal. Those are the people now telling us that they were the intellectual vanguard. They were the responsible people resisting the COVID regime. It just so happens that they started a year or a year and a half too late, but they don't recognize that because we are the irresponsible ones. We were irresponsible then for not following the science, not following the guidances, not making it possible for everything to go back to normal. We were allowing COVID to continue spreading. And now we're irresponsible for not accepting their objective truth about Donald Trump and rejecting Donald Trump. It's like Scott Adams said about the vaccine. They were right for the wrong reasons, while Scott Adams was wrong for the right reasons. He did the proper analysis and came to the wrong conclusion, whereas we did virtually no analysis and came to the right conclusion. And you see, that makes Scott Adams the smart one. And that same kind of thinking makes all of these uniparty right villagers the smart and responsible people relative to us. And of course, that is just within the bubble of the intellectual kids table. That's not true anywhere else. These people actually believe that they went into their communities and fought against the COVID regime. The problem is that they started that a year or a year and a half after all of us did. And they believe that Ron DeSantis led that charge, except he didn't. He only did that on Fox News because Fox News told everybody that Ron DeSantis was the leader. You got to remember to them, Donald Trump was irresponsible that whole time. And we're talking about uniparty right villagers or just standard issue villagers from either side who spent the entire time addicted to the central narrative about COVID. These people are consumers of the central narrative. They don't look for alternate sources of information. And they continue not to look for alternate sources of information, which is why they're continually wrong and behind on absolutely everything, including the candidacy of Ron DeSantis. They don't even understand that Ron DeSantis has no chance of being president in 2024. Something that I said last November for all of the reasons it's still true now. But these people still assert that somehow they were leading the charge against the COVID regime and they were doing it as Ron DeSantis was leading them. That is the story that was told by the central narrative. It just doesn't represent any actual reality. And they are accusing us of revising history as they themselves are revising history. They were nowhere near the vanguard of COVID resistance. Many of them supported and promoted mask use to be polite to one another because maybe it would work. And if it would work, then maybe we can 
finally defeat COVID and go back to normal if only those magazine conspiracy theorists would just follow the guidances like everybody else. We could all get on the same page and go back to normal. That's what the TV says. That's what I believe. And plus, they hate all of us. So it was just another justification to hate us more. And they never pass up that opportunity. They were fine with social distancing. They were fine with lockdowns. Why were they fine with lockdowns? Well, either because they were rich or because they could work from home or both. And while average working Americans were drinking themselves into depression and suicide, these people were posting mask selfies and talking about what they watched on Netflix while ordering Uber Eats. They made themselves COVID influencers on Instagram. Many of them supported the vaccines. Many of them took the vaccines. Many of them took the vaccines and then bragged online about taking the vaccines. A bunch of the prominent DeSantis simp accounts still have the history of all of this online. It's not hard to find. You can go to their Twitter pages on the mobile app. Use the little looking glass, the little spy glass, the little magnifying glass up in the top corner. That'll allow you to search the tweets in their profile. Right. Vaccine. Right. Unvaccinated. Right. Pfizer. Right. Moderna. Right. Mask. Right. Mandate. Right. Lockdown. You can see a bunch of their history. Some of them haven't deleted it. Of course, some of them have. But these people weren't leading the intellectual vanguard. They were actually pushing the central narrative. They were pushing the regime policies out to their followings. And now they are out there saying that Donald Trump was irresponsible about COVID. And now he's lying about it. What he really needs to do is say all the things that they want him to say. They have finally come to their conclusions that represent to them objective truth and the only truth. And what they need to do is have Donald Trump admit that he did the bad thing they think he did so that he can be objective like they are. And then as soon as he does that, they will blame everything on him, which is the exact same thing they have tried to do with the vaccine. Now, Donald Trump talks about saving all these lives. I've done entire episodes on this subject, so I don't need to rehash it right now. There is an episode called The Trump Vaccine. Whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, you can search my podcast and find that episode. I did it this year. The date on that, by the way, is January 17th. He talks about having saved lives with getting that vaccine out. Now, that vaccine coming out ended lockdowns. It ended the justification for lockdowns. You're welcome to pretend that's not true, but then you would have to explain how those lockdowns would have ended under Joe Biden, the fake president whose legitimacy all of these people supported by claiming that Donald Trump and his supporters were lying about election fraud, something nearly all of them are still doing. And they will claim Joe Biden really did receive 81 million real lawful American votes. Why? How is that possible? Oh, because everybody hated Donald Trump so much, even though Trump's vote total went up 20%. In fact, the size of the electorate rose 20%. And all of that is possible because of mail-in ballots, even though historically mail-in ballots do not increase turnout, certainly not by anywhere close to 20%. And then all of that was made possible by COVID and the COVID narrative and the COVID regime, all of which they supported until they didn't. 
And when did they stop supporting it? Well, it was sometime after Trump, quote unquote, left office and Ron DeSantis really started to lead on the subject. They'll bring forth all of their cherry picked examples of things that Donald Trump did wrong. And they will say this is representative of what Donald Trump did throughout COVID as if Donald Trump was participating in implementing the full COVID regime that destroyed the country and that everyone in the country was forced to go along with all of it by Donald Trump. People weren't complying with all of the different mitigation strategies implemented by the states under guidance from the CDC and other federal agencies that Donald Trump actually cannot control all by himself. None of that is the fault of the complier. It is the fault of Donald Trump, the guy they don't listen to about anything else. The guy that they say is stupid and reckless and incompetent and irresponsible. The guy they do not trust at all. They were listening to him the whole time. That is the complaint. That is the claim they're making that Donald Trump put all of this in place and they had no choice but to go along with it. They take no responsibility for going along with it, even though they're on the record having supported all of it. It's still Donald Trump's fault. And they think no one can see this because they are the tellers of objective truth, at least around the intellectual kids table where the conversation exists only in that bubble. And no one from the outside can see what they're doing. The uniparty right loves to be correct relative to the uniparty left and the uniparty left loves to be correct relative to the uniparty right. And assuming there are only standard issue villagers paying attention to either of them, all that happens is that the villagers choose a side and then repeat the same battle. That is the controlled opposition paradigm as it exists. Both of those sides call all alternate sources of information unreliable and everyone using those alternate sources of information to guide their beliefs and their decisions conspiracy theorists. All of those people are irresponsible. Those are the cultists. It's everybody else but them that are crazy. They know they're not crazy because the TV agrees with them and the major news outlets agree with them. The accumulation of very serious intellectuals agrees with them or some version of what they're saying. They all align on the basic facts and they just interpret things a little differently. But they all exist within that controlled paradigm, that central narrative paradigm. They don't need to be right relative to us. They pretend we don't exist. We're not serious people. We're not very serious intellectuals like they are. We are conspiracy theorists and cultists and idolaters and rubes and idiots and morons. And we're wasting all our money supporting our orange God. But we're not the ones who treat the office of president as though he is some God king. The president is a chief executive of the federal order. The governors make these decisions in the states and Donald Trump can provide guidance and there is certain leverage he can exercise as president and he can choose whether or not to exercise that leverage. But ultimately, the policies implemented in states are not generally under the president's purview, but the DeSantis simps and all of the standard issue villagers on the uniparty right who believe that they were in the intellectual vanguard. They want Donald Trump to admit that he was wrong and they want all his supporters to get mad at him for the same things they're mad at him for. 
believing that once his supporters admit, oh yeah, Donald Trump really screwed that one up, that they will all realize these people, oh, they've been right the whole time. Donald Trump really is as bad as they say, but nope, that's not going to work. And the people outside of the intellectual kids table are not going to roll over and pretend that all of these people are on the same level when it comes to the response to COVID. They're not on the same level. Those people went along with everything. We're not just going to pretend there's some parody there. Someone who worked from home and wore masks and got vaccinated is not on par with me when it comes to the understanding of COVID. And all of those people were anti-Trump the whole time in the same way that Steve Dace was anti-Trump back in 2015 and 2016. Sure, they're down to hide it and they'll say nice things every now and then. But the truth is the truth. And everybody knows where these people stood. They were anti-Trump during COVID, which meant they were supporting the regime during COVID. Them reversing their position on that a year later does not make them leaders. And it does not mean they were right about COVID. We're being told to respect the judgment of people who will go out and tell you that they took a toxic experimental substance into their body that can't protect them from a disease that can't kill them so they could travel. These are the people whose judgment we are supposed to bow down to. That is not going to happen. Now, many of these people believe they got tricked by the government and they did. And they believe that part of what tricked them was Donald Trump and his response. And I have at least some sympathy for that because it sucks to get tricked. But the problem is they're still succumbing to the same trick, the biggest trick that Donald Trump is their true enemy. They still think that Donald Trump is exactly who the media portrays him to be. They're still tricked about that. And they cannot let that go. Even in the face of all of this, the fact that they have gotten provably tricked and know they got provably tricked, but they think Donald Trump went along with it and Donald Trump is going to trick them again. So they cannot support Donald Trump no matter what. They know that the government will trick them and they will not be tricked again. They have a saying in Texas. Uh, they have it in uh, Tennessee too, but uh, they have it in Texas. You fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, well, uh, you fool me and I won't get fooled again. That was George W. Bush with maybe a little bit of a <laughs> Elvis in there. But here's the thing. The government is still tricking them about our elections and they know it. And they're not upset about it because the people they're supporting are going along with the government in tricking them about our elections because they hate Donald Trump and his supporters and simply just can't get over it. We are being told that we are cultists and idolaters by people who are in a hate movement. They will not change their mind to the right position that they know is right. Because that would mean that the no-no people have been right the whole time about all of it. And that is not something they're prepared to deal with because they are the really smart people around the intellectual kids table. As long as you reduce the set of people until it is small enough that it excludes all Trump supporters and everyone outside of the intellectual kids table. Well, then these people are geniuses and they would never get tricked. 
except about that election fraud thing that they are absolutely still tricked by. They believe the government. They believe the media and they have to. They're committed to that position because if they accept the truth of our elections, then they have to accept that Trump won by a lot, which means that the electorate is not 50-50 and doesn't look anything like they're told it looks and that their support of an anti-Trump candidate is complicit in the usurpation of this nation and complicit in that treason. And they can't do that. So instead, they decide that the government is not tricking them this time. And in fact, it wasn't really the government that tricked them last time. It was Donald Trump. Because everyone in the government, Donald Trump is now responsible for all of them, the deep state, the administrative state, the bureaucratic state, all Republicans and Democrats in the House and in the Senate and in local governments. All of them were actually doing the bidding of the God King Donald Trump, even though all of those people in the Uniparty hate Donald Trump and were trying intentionally to destroy him. Throughout the entire period of COVID, the entire period where Donald Trump was president, this entire time since he came down the escalator in 2015, all of the Uniparty was doing Donald Trump's bidding. Therefore, everything that happened in government is Donald Trump's fault. And all of these people complied with all of it because they had no choice because God King Donald Trump told them to. And they still believe all the things the media and this uniparty apparatus tells them because it wasn't the uniparty who tricked them. It was Donald Trump. So let's check in with Dave Rubin, one of the dumbest and least funny guys to ever have a platform this size. The guy has no original thoughts. He adopts the opinions of his guests all the time. He wrote a book called burn this book as if he is out there speaking dangerous truths. He basically talked his way into being counted as part of the intellectual dark web, that collection of dorks and morons that the New York times is Barry Weiss named the intellectual renegades, the newspaper the paper of record of the regime decided who society's intellectual renegades were, and everyone just went along with it. Were any of them right about Trump? No. COVID? No. Election fraud? No. Ukraine? No. What did they get right? Well, they got a bunch of things right relative to the woke Marxist left around the intellectual kids table, and that is the extent of it. If you are addicted to the central narrative... If you are a worshiper of the authoritative source, then they are in fact geniuses. Dave Rubin toured the country with Jordan Peterson opening up for him doing stand-up comedy. And as someone who has seen Jordan Peterson live with Dave Rubin opening, his stand-up comedy consisted of him repeating Jordan Peterson's lines in a way that made it sound like he was slamming the left by doing so. Oh, lobster jokes again. Very, very funny. I listened to Dave Rubin's show for a few years between like 2014 and 2016, 2017. I never heard him say a single funny thing. I also never heard him have a single original intelligent thought. Not once. I listened to his show only for his guests. And even that became impossible eventually because he is so boring and so dumb and so unoriginal and so unfunny. But somehow he still has a platform 
And in the wake of the Megyn Kelly interview, his reaction to the COVID stuff became widely shared as the simps were grunting and pounding their chest and rattling the bars of their cage. And so let's listen to it. But before we get started, it's actually interesting that Dave Rubin at the start of this episode, where he discusses some very short clips of that long segment on COVID, Rubin begins by apologizing to some health minister of Canada who he had misgendered. I'm not joking. That is literally how his episode starts. The full-fledged DeSantis simp Dave Rubin is apologizing for a misgendering while his fellow simps are pretending that Donald Trump doesn't know who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs. Start with some of the clips uh, of Donald Trump sitting down with Megyn Kelly because they're they're pretty messy for Donald Trump. I think I can objectively, I'm going to try to do this as, uh, I'm going to try, what's that? Our computer freaked out. I'm going to try to do this as objectively as possible, uh, but th- these are not good for Donald Trump. So they they did a whole bunch on COVID and Fauci and the and the reaction to COVID and all that and, and warp speed. Here is Trump admitting that his administration did give Fauci a presidential accommodation, kind of backtracking it at the same time. Take a look. For years, you've been saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time in well, May... I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I yeah. couldn't technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way... You made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task you think force, so? that he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Well, presidential I commendation. One went off Mark Somebody Miller, probably too. handed him a commendation. He probably, but let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect because of COVID, but he was respected. Okay, first off, I don't want to do the Monday morning quarterback thing. And I think you guys know I've tried to be fair in that everyone gets a sort of certain leash when it comes to COVID and what those first few weeks and even let's say a month was like. Uh, But the truth is that he did hand the reins over to Fauci and we've played it many times. You've seen it, so we're not going to play it again. He was even running re-election, 2020 re-election ads of him praising Fauci and Fauci praising him. Also to kind of pretend that you don't know that you gave him the commendation or someone gave it to him on the way out. It's like, does the buck stop with you? Are, are you the president? Also, this thing, I didn't listen to him too much. Again, you were running ads saying how great he was and him saying how great you were. And, and even in the ads, Fauci saying, oh, he didn't stop me and he would always listen to me, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So let's stop there. But I will play the full Dave Rubin segment just to be clear. Dave Rubin has said to his audience that he is going to be objective Everything he says after that is the objective truth. 
Dave Rubin does not hate Donald Trump or his supporters. Dave Rubin is the most objective guy ever, which is why he's supporting Ron DeSantis, because Dave Rubin knows that it is objectively true that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. And if somehow that's not true, then Dave Rubin supporting someone other than the duly elected president would make Dave Rubin complicit in the usurpation of our country and the treason. And he would just never do that. He is objectively telling the truth because he's able to discover objective truth. Everyone who is a very serious intellectual part of the intellectual dark web after pushing himself into it. Well, he's the keeper of the objective truth, and he tries to be fair to everyone. He tries to give everyone some leeway about that whole COVID thing because we don't really know what was going on. But that said, not Donald Trump, everybody else but Donald Trump, like Dave Rubin, the people at the Daily Wire, the people at the Blaze, the people at Town Hall, the people on the Ron DeSantis campaign and Ron DeSantis. They were all wrong in supporting the central narrative supporting the COVID regime throughout until it was safe to not do it, you know, after Donald Trump was gone. And then they stopped doing it and started resisting it. And so what they're going to need is a mulligan for that whole time when they were going along with everything, which is why Dave Rubin tries to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, except Donald Trump. That's part of the objective truth. So a reelection commercial that the DeSantis simps have reconstrued to mean that Donald Trump supports Anthony Fauci means that Donald Trump supports Anthony Fauci and in fact supported him the entire time. He made Anthony Fauci a star. Now we all enjoy that Donald Trump pushed Anthony Fauci out to the front because now everybody knows who Anthony Fauci is. Everybody knows about the structure of the NIH and the NIAID and our public health community. Everyone now knows about the kind of awful experimentation and study that they do and the terrible products they produce and the cost of those products on real people. This period represents the greatest backlash to big pharma and the biomedical regime ever. That doesn't happen without putting Anthony Fauci out front. But Trump did not go along with Anthony Fauci and did not support Anthony Fauci and every human that was alive throughout that period knows it. Donald Trump was defined and identified by the mainstream media and the uniparty right and left as the person who would not listen to the experts. That is Donald Trump's reputation throughout COVID. You can't just go around three years later pretending that's not true and that Donald Trump actually just went along with the whole thing. That makes no sense at all and doesn't represent anyone's memory of that time. It's not true, which is why no one believes it, which is why after 10 months, this argument has not worked at all for the Ron DeSantis campaign. This is one of the key motivating factors for why his career has been destroyed and his public image has been destroyed. People no longer believe that Ron DeSantis is a truth teller or strong or bold. They believe he's a liar and that he hires terrible liars to be all around him. You can't just revise history and make Donald Trump the guy that went along with the experts and ceded authority to them at every turn. He was in press conferences day after day after day after day, saying the things the experts didn't want him to say, talking about therapeutics, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, ultraviolet light therapy that they reconstrued as injecting bleach. 
He talked about using hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. And then the deep state, the bureaucratic administrative state supported by the Uniparty made all of the alternate therapies unavailable for people so that they could preserve the opportunity to get the vaccine out under emergency use authorization. Donald Trump talked about Regeneron and monoclonal antibodies. Donald Trump repeatedly gave people every reason they could ever need to resist the COVID regime. He spoke the entirety of the counter narrative from the White House press room. No one is going to buy that Donald Trump did what the experts said. It is preposterous. And it is yet another example of the dishonesty and the immorality of these people and of Ron DeSantis for putting these people around him. And then we are told that Donald Trump gave Fauci a commendation. Well, everybody on the Operation Warp Speed team received that same presidential commendation. They received it on January 19th, 2021, one day before Donald Trump left office. Donald Trump says he doesn't know who gave that commendation. It's possible that he does and he doesn't want to say anything about it. I suppose it's possible that he's lying, but that would be a pretty ham-handed approach to that. It seems unlikely. I do not know the process of how that went down, but a day before his term ends, a bunch of presidential commendations go out. That could be someone else in the administration and Donald Trump, for whatever reason, doesn't want to announce what exactly that was all about right now. Regardless, presenting everyone on the Operation Warp Speed team a commendation is not the same as presenting Fauci a commendation, and it does not in any way mean that Donald Trump loved Anthony Fauci or listened to Anthony Fauci that whole time when virtually everyone in the country will admit that Donald Trump and Anthony Fauci were in complete opposition at almost every turn, not only in reality, but in everyone's minds, which means that Donald Trump is the living embodiment of being Anthony Fauci. These guys are trying to reframe that now. It is never going to work, which is why it hasn't worked. And considering that their positions on COVID more directly mirrored Anthony Fauci's than Donald Trump's did, they cannot make this claim with any degree of honesty. Except, of course, they're giving the benefit of the doubt to themselves, just not to Donald Trump. Now, let's go on with this great intellectual powerhouse, Dave Rubin. Uh, the idea also that he didn't fire Fauci because he would have taken a lot of heat. Isn't this the guy? You're fired. Like, isn't that like that? I just that was a gay Trump. You're fired. Ah. But like, he's the guy that's known for firing people. So the guy who was the most important piece of the disaster that became COVID, you were afraid to fire him over heat that you were going to take with the amount of heat that you do take. So none of it really kind of works. He's also, the hair's looking a little nuts, like he's kind of looking a little crazy, uh, but it continued on COVID. Uh, this is the brand of analysis we get from these morons. Oh, isn't he the guy that says you're fired? You're fired? Ha 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 ha. Oh, I've made this joke 2,000 times now. Oh, yeah, it's so much funnier now, Dave. What a voice you did. Ah, oh, you do voices. Hey, Dave, I do voices sometimes myself. I just don't generally expect them to substitute in for the substance of an actual argument. Could Donald Trump fire Anthony Fauci during that time? Nope, probably not. And what would have happened if he did? 
everyone from the uniparty left and the uniparty right would have taken it and communicated it to the public as an affront to science. Would Anthony Fauci have stopped going out on television, which is what Anthony Fauci's biggest impact was? No, he would not have stopped doing that. Would people have tried to impeach Donald Trump? Yeah, for sure they would have. I think there is an extraordinarily high likelihood that we will hear very specific reasons for why Donald Trump did not and could not fire Anthony Fauci. It doesn't matter if he was the guy that fired people on The Apprentice, but Dave Rubin thinks it does. And for sure, his audience goes right along with it because they are smart enough to still be listening to Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin's conclusion is, oh, that doesn't really fly. Yeah. Ah, you know, you were the guy on The Apprentice. I just, I just don't think that I can accept any explanation that you might have or that might exist within our laws that would prevent you from firing Anthony Fauci. Not when you were the guy on that reality show. I just don't buy it. Plus also, you know, his, his, his hair is, you know, his hair. It's looking a little, uh, I, I don't know, but it's got to have something to do with firing Fauci. But hey, wait, also the buck for firing Anthony Fauci stops with Donald Trump. And so does the buck for the commendation of Anthony Fauci. Those things happened under Donald Trump's administration. Donald Trump is a presidential God King. He could have made all of it perfect and he didn't. Therefore, he's a terrible president, even though life was great under him and we had no wars and a booming economy until the China virus came. And did Donald Trump still win that election? Yes, he sure did because the American people understood what was going on, but not people like Dave Rubin, not people in the uniparty right and left, not the standard issue villagers. And even the ones that do, they decided they didn't care about the usurpation of a country. Not a big deal. Not when we can get rid of Donald Trump. Not when we can get the adults back in the room. Let's see where the buck stops with Rig D Meatball relative to this awful group of Con Inc. influencers and media who he has surrounded himself with to do his messaging on his behalf. I mean, 15 versus now is a lifetime on the issue of the trans rights thing. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it wasn't just that, you know, he had kind of a, a flippant opinion on it. I mean, you know, he was really one of the leaders in, in making this a, a big issue uh, culturally and nationally. Speaking of that campaign ad, uh, one of the complaints I've heard about the DeSantis team is they're too online. There was the Twitter spaces launch. Yes, but it, it was it's more about the petty Twitter squabbles that we see some connected with your campaign having that will take up three days of the news cycle that don't really amount to anything substantive for the voters in Iowa and elsewhere. Is that a fair point? So look, uh, we have people that are doing this rapid response. I'm not putting my time into it at all. I mean, you know, they're going and going back and forth. You know, there's kind of a battle that does online. I am not somebody who's, who's following that uh, very closely. It's just not my cup of tea. And so I'm following more about, you know, what's but happening. You're the commander. On, that's how, no, I get it. But I mean, but, but, you know, we have people shooting at us, too, online every single day. I mean, the fact that you asked about people like Paul Ryan, you know, that was, that's all a manufactured online uh, controversy and set of attacks that have no basis in reality. Um, and so there is need to kind of push back on some of this stuff. So I wouldn't say it's, it's too online. I think that there's a place for, for that. But ultimately, you know, the people in Iowa and New Hampshire, you know, they're not following the latest Twitter war. They're following what's going on in their lives. And I'm very cognizant of that. 
We have people that do rapid response. I don't really put my time into it. This is a necessary thing because we have people shooting at us. And so that's what happens. My campaign is not too online. He doesn't really have anything to do with it. That's not what the voters in New Hampshire and Iowa are worried about. So what are you saying, Ron, that the buck for how they operate does not stop with you? Is that what we are hearing from you? And I don't think that I am being uncharitable by interpreting it that way. Ron DeSantis's online presence is one of the leading factors in the destruction of his public image and his career. He put these people around himself and he is now defending their activity. These people are the worst, most malicious liars I've ever encountered online. Again, every one of their anti-Trump pro-Ron arguments is all three stupid, dishonest, immoral. Every one of those arguments comes down to they hate Donald Trump. They think Donald Trump is stupid and incompetent, a reckless narcissist, blah, blah, blah. It is all rooted in the improper interpretation of Donald Trump's intelligence and character. All of that, a product of their hatred for how he talks, how he sounds and who supports him. This cannot be separated. This is eight years of the same thing from the same people for the same reasons with the same justifications the entire time. Nothing has changed. They have no principles, so they will occasionally say they support Donald Trump. And when their interests are aligned, then they for sure support Donald Trump. But the rest of the time, they hate Donald Trump. It really is incredible. But let's get back to Dave Rubin. Crazy. Uh, but it continued on COVID. Uh Megan, who, as we talked about earlier in the week, she is having some sort of autoimmune issue that her doctor believes is related to the COVID vaccine. Uh, so they talked a bit about mRNA COVID shots and if there's any regret related to all that. But I have people on the other side, I don't, not my side, although probably there's some on my side too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people- You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that, too. But, yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates. And people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision, as far as I'm concerned. Now, some places had mandates, very strong mandates. Uh, largely Democrat governors and probably some Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But there are Democrats that say, why aren't you talking about that? It's one of the, they really believe strongly. One said, you say, and this is very smart people. They said, you saved a hundred million people worldwide. Uh, in 1917, you know, they, it could have been as much as a hundred million. It ended the first world war because all the soldiers were dying of, of this horrible disease of 1917. You know, it actually ended the First World War. The soldiers were dying. They were on the lines. They're fighting, and they're dying of this horrible disease. They said, you might have saved 100 million people, 50 million people. Why aren't you talking about it? I said, I'm not talking about it. I never got, I think, the credit that I deserved on COVID. As Brock just pointed out, it sounds like he's running to be a Democrat. The Democrats seem to really love him and the 100 million people he saved. We, we checked this morning, like there's no evidence that the COVID shot saved 100 million people. There just simply isn't there any evidence for that. And if you're watching this and you're one of those base people, I'm always warned by my friends on the right, Dave, don't go too hard after Trump because the base will turn on you. 
if you're one of those base people watching this right now, do you believe anything that he just said right there? And I don't know what this has to do with the 1917 thing. And this idea that the 100 million, again, the 100 million, I saved 100 million lives. And she says, are you proud of that? And he says, no, I'm not proud of it. So it's like there's just so much confusion and conflation there. And all he has to do to get out of this, and he still could do it, Trump, I'm giving you a tip right now. All you have to do to get out of this is admit you were wrong about a bunch of things. Admit you got admit you got bamboozled by Fauci and the NIH and the CDC and everything else. But he seems unable to do it. Now I get, I get it, and I saw it on Twitter this morning when I tweeted out some of these clips. Some people said, "Well, I don't care anyway. I don't. There's nothing you could say, Dave. No, you can't say anything. We're still voting for him. Okay, okay, so be it. I'm still going to tell you what I think. So Dave Rubin, winner, genius is advising Donald Trump on what Donald Trump should do in the primary race. Donald Trump is winning by more than 50 points against the guy Dave Rubin himself has participated in destroying. Dave Rubin's tactics have ended Ron DeSantis's career, and he is suggesting that Donald Trump should listen to him about how to communicate on COVID. Now, obviously, Dave Rubin does not know anything about 1917, but what an interesting historical period that is. And if you would like to inform yourself about it, the best place to go is prussiagate.substack.com and read their subseries called Not Since 1917. Donald Trump mentions that for a very particular reason. He called COVID, in quotes, the invisible enemy. And there is a very interesting interpretation of what he meant featured in the pages of Prussiagate in that subseries, Not Since 1917. You can also just type Not Since 1917, Prussiagate, P. Gunnels into Rumble and listen to Patrick read it to you. I would suggest everybody goes ahead and does that. Now, Dave Rubin is upset that Donald Trump is claiming to have saved 100 million lives as a result of the release of that vaccine. Now, the vaccine wasn't supposed to come for five years or 12 years. Donald Trump says it, and he says it often. And how many more years of lockdown should we expect it would take to kill 100 million people? Probably not any more years. In the summer of 2020, it was reported by mainstream outlets that COVID lockdowns had pushed 200 million people in the world into extreme poverty, which is one tiny step up from death. How much longer would it take for 100 million lives to end worldwide without the easing of lockdowns, particularly in the West, particularly in the United States? There are also a wide range of other geopolitical concerns that happen to be real, whether or not we know the exact details and machinations. Donald Trump again and again called himself a wartime president. He said the virus came from China. He said it came from the lab. What does that mean? The global regime was trying to use COVID to get rid of Trump. I don't think anybody would even dispute that. But we are supposed to pretend that the interpretation derived from the central narrative from the mainstream media is the interpretation on which we can judge all of these other effects and events. And of course, people like Dave Rubin go along with this because Dave Rubin is a moron. And then, of course, he does another voice. Oh, what a good point he made. Donald Trump supporters are not going to accept these nonsense answers from clowns like Dave Rubin and are still going to vote for Donald Trump anyway. Why? 
because the COVID response is no longer the most important issue, not by a long shot. There are actual geopolitical concerns. There are wars to deal with. And there's election fraud that Ron DeSantis lies about and all of the DeSantis simps lie about and the global regime lies about and the media lies about. And when all that truth comes out, what are these people going to look like? Why don't they ever have the foresight to think about any of those things? And why in the world do they expect anyone to trust their judgment while they're so blatantly lying about all of it? It's a mystery. Uh, I would like to compare what he just said right there uh, with uh, a video that the DeSantis team put out, uh, some of the things that Trump was saying during COVID. We did the right thing. We closed the country down. I could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing. I had to shut it down and we did the right thing. I thought of keeping it open. And we did just the right thing. We closed it down. And a group of very smart people walk in and say, sir, we have to close it. And we did the right thing. They can't do anything without the approval of the president of the United States. Even the Democrats aren't blaming me for that. We had to close it up. Some people wish we never closed it down. We did the right thing. We closed it. It's a decision for the president of the United States. And we did the right thing. We had to close it up because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, let alone the United States of America. We had to turn off the airlines. We had to turn off everything. And we did the right thing. A lot of people have thought about it. Write it out. Don't do anything. Just write it out. And think of it as the flu, but it's not the flu. It's vicious. We basically shut down our country. We did the right thing. We had to close it down. The president of the United States calls the shots. And we had to close it down. We did the right thing. They're not working in offices. They're not in airplanes together. And we did close up. We had to close it up. And we did the right thing. We closed it down. We did the right thing. We closed it up. We were told to got to shut it down. Stop it. Tell everyone to stay home because of this horrible virus and we did that we had to artificially close our country we've done this right and we we really we really have done this right that we did the right everything we did was right all right look i I promise you over the course of you know we still got over a year till the national election and the first votes in the in the primary are not going to be cast till january i promise we're not going to drub you over the head with these videos all the time but in moments like these, where Trump does a, a somewhat combative sit-down, and again, Megan did an absolutely great job. I'd like to think I know a little something about interviewing people. And sometimes, you know, when you're interviewing a politician, someone that you know personally and publicly, you're trying to be respectful, even when you hear them saying things that are untrue. They're also saying a lot of things at once. You want to pick the moments when you can push back. I think she just did an absolutely great job. And again, these are only two tiny bits of the interview the full thing will be out later and if we find more interesting pieces later we'll, we'll cover them tomorrow uh, but the point is trump is showing no contrition whatsoever he's when when he talks about warp speed he's still very proud of warp speed he then says i saved the democrats say i saved 100 million people but your own base and the, and the republicans by and large in the country think it was wrong so it's just i get it i get it to some people he can do no wrong but like Maybe there's a better choice. Maybe there is a better choice. Oh, there's a guy down here in Florida. And you know what that guy did? He banned mandates uh, on COVID vaccines. He banned mask mandates. He banned lockdown mandates. He even banned gain-of-function research here in the state. I think you know who that guy is. Governor Ron DeSantis Tuesday said he's seeking to protect Florida from what he calls the, quote, biomedical security state, denouncing groups like the CDC and Biden administration for their pandemic protection efforts. They had a lot of momentum. 
They brought a lot of power to these fights and they would have won except for the fact Florida said no. The Republican now offering a plan to make permanent a slew of COVID mitigation bans enacted during a 2021 special session and set to expire in June. If approved by lawmakers, DeSantis' effort permanently restricts COVID shot and mask rules in schools. It prevents public and private employers from hiring and firing based on mRNA shot status. Plus, it prohibits vaccine passports and will aim to shield Florida physicians from censure for speech of unpopular medical opinions. We need to lead with this by making all of these protections permanent in Florida statute, which we are going to do in the upcoming legislative session. You know, I often say on the show, it doesn't have to be this way. Like this, this endless fight that we're in, the slow descent to hell, the questioning of things that we know don't need to be questioned anymore, right? It doesn't have to be this way. And guess what? In Florida, it isn't that way anymore. As we've seen in the last couple of weeks, as the fall has rolled in and Whoopi has COVID and <laughs> Whoopi has COVID and, they start, and Dr. Jill Biden has COVID and she's a doctor for God's sakes. As they roll out COVID again and they tell you there's another variant and everything else, every single state in the union, except for Florida, can still be locked down, can still kick you out of uh, school, can still shut you out of your business, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't have to be this way when you have proper leadership that then does the right thing. And you have to think, you have to think, okay, now it's three years from now and Donald Trump is president. And they bring in super COVID or whatever it is, or the climate emergency that's happening. It's to the gamma rays outside, whatever it is. Would he get bamboozled by the machine all over again? I think he would because he's showing no contrition about what he did last time. Except it won't happen here in Florida. So unless you're watching this in Florida, just know that wherever you live in the United States, maybe if you're in Sweden, they're not going to lock you down because they didn't do it last time. Uh, he used to criticize Sweden for that, right? Um, Trump, that is. Um, you have to know that they can do it to you all over again. So just a couple more clips contrasting the sort of confusion and lack of contrition of Trump with the, with the functional competency of DeSantis. DeSantis went on Hannity last night. Okay, so Dave Rubin then begins his Ron DeSantis celebration ceremony. Now, you got to love that clip that he played of Donald Trump talking about lockdowns. Almost every statement that Donald Trump made during that little montage was about shutting the country down to travel from China that people actually did say saved a lot of lives and should have absolutely happened. I don't think anybody would go back and question that decision, although people were questioning it at the time, including people who are now pretending that Donald Trump was following the regime narrative all the time. Dave Rubin is upset that Donald Trump says that Democrats say he saved a lot of lives and did good things with the vaccine. Donald Trump is allowed to say what Democrats say. That doesn't mean that he agrees with what they're saying. He's saying some people out in the country actually make the case that what I did was exactly right about X, Y, Z. That's not him making the case. He's saying and has said many times and still says in the present tense, I'm the president of all Americans. The role of president is not to consistently own the libs or to punish the libs. No matter how much people of the Daily Wire Dave Rubin 
Steve Dace brand would love him too. The goal as president is not to just make the other side hate you. We actually have a fake president right now whose entire quote unquote presidency is about attacking his political opponents and prosecuting his political opponents and censoring his political opponents and calling them names and saying that they're stupid and evil. And that's not so good for the country, is it? But that is what all of these people of this ilk are trying to get Donald Trump to do. They say that if Donald Trump doesn't do that, then it's because he's actually not conservative enough. He's trying to be a Democrat because he was always a Democrat before. And to hammer Dave Rubin's point home, Rubin justifies all of this by saying, imagine three years from now, Donald Trump's second term, and there's another pandemic. Would Donald Trump get bamboozled by the regime again? Wait, you mean like you did or like Ben Shapiro did or like Mike Cernovich did or like the Blaze guys did? Which bamboozlement are you talking about? Oh, Donald Trump got bamboozled. The one who actually knows what the big picture looks like and was ahead of it the whole time and communicating it to the American public the whole time so that we knew and we didn't get bamboozled. That guy's going to get bamboozled and not you degenerate morons who can't even figure out that elections are stolen in broad daylight and that maybe that is more important than talking about wee-wees and hoo-hahs. He's going to get bamboozled on some hypothetical repetition of a new pandemic that no one's going to fall for. Donald Trump's going to get bamboozled. Oh, he's going to get bamboozled on a climate epidemic. Is that what's going to happen? The guy who has done more to ruin the climate change narrative and agenda than anyone else in the country. That guy's going to get bamboozled about climate change. And so we need to elect Ron DeSantis. Give me a break. All of these things. Dave Rubin says Donald Trump needs to listen to the advice of people like him to do better, even though he's destroyed the career of the GOP's rising star. That is what these people have done with this messaging, with this style of argumentation, with all of this nonsense from an alternate reality that only exists at the intellectual kids table within that central narrative bubble and paradigm. It is all preposterous garbage and it is not true. This is from CNBC, by the way. Dave Rubin conveniently didn't tell you when all of that praise for Ron DeSantis's pushback was happening. This is CNBC, November 18th, 2021. This is after the whole Delta thing already happened, after we had already had vaccines for nearly a whole year. Florida limits COVID vaccine mandates, challenging Biden's requirements for private businesses. November 18th, 2021. That is 20 months after the beginning of the so-called pandemic. People were awake to all of this long before that. I lived in Texas that summer. I couldn't go to certain concert venues because of vaccine requirements for the venues. Masks were still required in Austin in March of 2021. And Florida was much the same as Texas. Now, I think I'm going to do a part two of some of this stuff tomorrow to get into other parts of these two Trump interviews with Megyn Kelly and then with Kristen Welker. But rather than listening to Dave Rubin's selected clips of Ron DeSantis, the greatest governor ever, how about we do my selection of Ron DeSantis's past highlights? So here's the, here's the issue, and I deal with this all the time. 
in, in Washington, in the country, Trump has almost the entire media against him. Fake news day after day after day. He's got the entire Democratic Party after him. He's got the lobbyists after him. He's got the bureaucracy after him. And he's got some Republicans who come after him to kneecap him. And so he is under an attack like no president has faced. And he is standing tall for us. He is working hard. So the last thing I want to do is go out there and lob hand grenades at the president. I think we need to support the president, understand what he's up against, and understand he's facing opposition, unlike any other president we've seen. So that was from the Florida GOP gubernatorial debate back in 2018. Governor Ron DeSantis reversed course on Wednesday, announcing a statewide order to stay at home. I'm, I'm going to be doing an executive order today, uh, directing all Floridians to limit movements and personal interactions outside the home. As far as me taking action to put a shelter in place there in Minnehaha and Lincoln counties, I will not be doing that today. If people see a pub or restaurant and it's packed to the rafters, uh, that's just cut and dry and that's not just an innocent mistake. And so I told him no tolerance for that, just suspend the license. What I did though was tell my people the truth. I gave them personal responsibility over decisions for their family's public health, but also gave them the flexibility they needed to keep their businesses open, take care of their employees and their customers. The message, I think, for spring breakers is that the party's over in Florida. Um, You're not going to be able to congregate on any beach in the state. We're talking about the Sturgis bike rally, and that has been labeled for almost a year as a super spreader event, which was an absolute lie. We are excited about hosting the rally, though, because it's a great opportunity for us to invite people to the state. Every single beach uh, will have to abide by the CDC guidelines no more than 10 people. You have to be socially distant. I think we've all recognized that recently with the CDC that they changed their opinions and their guidance based on political pressure at different times. So my message is the vaccines protect you, get vaccinated, and then live your life as if you're protected. We believe that COVID vaccination should be a choice. And we don't believe that people should be divided into two different classes, those that are vaccinated and those that are not vaccinated. The bars are closed, so you're not going to have a place to congregate there. So we would just tell those folks, you know, maybe come back next year when things are better. Uh, But that is not what we're looking for here in the state of Florida. We did not shut down our economy, our businesses, our churches, and we did not tell people who was essential and who was not. This is not the business of government. And of course, that was South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem set up against Ron DeSantis. Here's more Ron DeSantis talking on December 8th, 2020, about Operation Warp Speed. DeSantis? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, this is, uh, I would always tell my folks, uh, we hope we get the, a vaccine, but you should definitely not count on it because it's ambitious. It hasn't happened before. So the fact that it is, that's a great testament to Operation Warp Speed and all the work that so many people have done. So we couldn't, as soon as the Pfizer news came out, I flew up and met with you on Warp Speed. And I told my folks, uh, we, we already been planning for it, but I was like, we got a better sense of the timeline. Uh, let's make sure that we're leading from the front. We really wanted to embrace this. I know other governors have, have said this may not be good. We view it as a good thing. And you know, if you look at what we can do with nursing homes, we could have every resident of nursing home and long-term care facility vaccinated in the month of December. I mean, th- that's within our, our grasp right now in the, in the United States. In the state of Florida, we have 4,000 facilities. Um, we're working with CVS Walgreens uh, to be able to do that. It's important for saving lives, we need to get them back to normal. 
And getting them back to normal is going to mean so much to those residents and their families. And I'm just I'm thrilled that we're really on, on the doorstep there. I think in terms of the most at-risk population, we'll be able to, uh, to, to target first and then simultaneously the, the kind of the high contact, which would have the most impact on our healthcare system. And then we think, based on the numbers, uh, at the end of December, we can start getting it out into the broader senior population, and then January really focus on vaccinating as many elderly people uh, as we can. Um, and so we're really excited about it. You know, we really leaned into it, and then we thank everyone uh, for doing it. This is a really, really significant achievement for our country. Just you know, and the first shot it has protection from what we're hearing. That's a huge deal, and that's really great. So that is Ron DeSantis at an event for Operation Warp Speed, the Operation Warp Speed banner hung behind him. He is wearing a cute little blue mask and, of course, his high-heeled cowboy boots. But let's keep going. If you are vaccinated, though, the number of people that end up hospitalized after is almost zero. It's incredibly, incredibly low. So I think there's some misinformation out there where someone will say, oh, these people were vaccinated and they tested positive. Understand, a positive test is not a clinical diagnosis of illness. And so if you're vaccinated and you test positive but you don't get sick, well, the name of the game is to keep people out of the hospital. And I think that the folks that have done that, and we're proud of our seniors first strategy, we've done about 85% of our seniors in Florida have gotten shots. You know, I think the data is increasingly clear uh, that if you have been vaccinated or if you've recovered from COVID, because you are immune in that respect too, uh, the chance of you being hospitalized or dying is very, very low. We have three vaccines available. Anyone, any adult can get it uh, at pharmacies, health departments, you name it. Very easy to get, uh, very quick process. Um, and that's available. So that's July 20th, 2021. I mean, on the vaccines, when we rolled them out, I would recite every single stop we did, the Pfizer data. I'd recite the Moderna data. When J&J came out, I would do the J&J. I mean, I remember the media saying J&J wasn't as effective. And I looked at it, I said, wait a minute, it's very effective at preventing hospitalization and death, which is really the most important. And actually, J&J's held up pretty well um, against the Delta variant. Um, I was critical when they pulled back the J&J, because my view was you should just provide the information. If there were certain segments of the population that were more at risk, just provide that. Uh, but I think when they dialed that back, I think that really caused some vaccine hesitancy. Um, so provide the, and then now the data we provide about the hospitalizations. Every time I go out, I'm always providing the, the most up-to-date data that we're getting about how the hospitalizations break down between vaccinated and unvaccinated. And they skew very heavily to vaccinate, unvaccinated. And that's not even telling the whole story because most of the high-risk people are vaccinated. And so you're really talking about a relatively small segment who is leading to a disproportionate. So those are the facts. That's the data. Ron must have not known about how the vaccinated versus unvaccinated qualifications were laid down. And hey, just for good measure, let's finish with a couple of clips from Donald Trump while he was still president. He should not have to. If you get COVID or whatever you want to call it, plenty of names, Wuhan virus, the China virus, you could call it a... We got plenty of names, but when you get it, you don't, you shouldn't have to be forced. They want to force people who have had it to have the vaccine. When in actuality, when you have it, you don't need the vaccine. You become immune. So they say, and it's rare Natural that you immunity. get it twice. 
It, Let is, me a, ask- it is a natural immunity. Why are they forcing people to take the vaccine? Remember this. The drug companies make a lot of money, and they like it. I don't know who else wants it or likes it. But when you get it, you don't have to take the vaccine. The director of the CDC said the protests against stay-at-home orders are not helpful. You've encouraged some of these protests. What are your thoughts on the CDC director saying that these protests are not helpful? Well, people, go? look, it's not a question of helpful or not. People want to get back to work. And I've watched some of the protests, not in great detail, but I've seen that. And they're separated. There's a lot of space in between. I mean, they, they're watching, believe it or not, social. They're doing social distancing, if you can believe it. And they are, and they're protesting, but they're, they're, uh, the groups I've seen have been very much spread out. So I think that's good. Look, people, they want to get back to work. they got to make a living. They have to take care of their family. They don't want to do this. It's, uh, you know, unfortunate, maybe, one way or the other. Both are unfortunate. Both are unfortunate. So that was Donald Trump discouraging the use of the vaccine if you had been infected. And then Donald Trump supporting and defending the anti-lockdown protests from the press room in the White House. But we're still supposed to believe Steve Dace, Matt Walsh, and Dave Rubin while they lie to our faces and try to revise history and try to pretend that they were the intellectual vanguard, that they were the vanguard of the COVID resistance. Nothing could be further from the truth. That was Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters doing that work. If all of us waited on all of them, we would still be locked down today. And they would be wondering why that happened. They would be wondering why we couldn't get that vaccine out. And they would say, everybody knows we cannot ease these lockdowns until the vaccine comes out. These people are liars. These people are morons. These people are frauds. And truth be told, at this point, what are you supposed to say other than these people are evil? They are right now lying to you about a pandemic. And they're doing all of this to cover up the fact that they already lied to you about stolen elections. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!